0: tip today in association with Slatteries of Pecan, your main Peugeot dealer for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slatteriesgarage.ie.
1: Welcome along to Tip Today, 1800 938 007. That's our free phone number. Won't cost anything to make a call. And you'll be chatting to Emma, who's looking after the programme today. Coming up on the show, a 31% increase in emigration with Georgia, Somalia and Algeria, the main countries of origin. A new drug that could extend your dog's life. Locals shocked after on board Planola overturn a council planning refusal for a mast in Clonmel. Ali will be live from the scene there. Uh, Confusion over child benefit. One of our listeners will tell us her experience why Irish pet owners are slow to insure their pets. We'll be chatting about that. The Gardaí will keep us up to speed on crime around the county and we have gardening with uh, Ulta Nesbitt towards the end of the programme. Now as always we urge you if you have a gardening query, will you log it with us as soon as you can? Because it really is first up, best dressed where that's concerned. So get your query into us. Oh eight three three double one double three double one for text or WhatsApp. You can email Tip today at tipfm dot com. Now we have lovely vouchers to give away on the programme today because we are celebrating the notion of Christmas shopping in lovely Thurless town. And today we have a €50 Euro voucher for Stakham's Office Supplies, Parnell Street, and a €50 Euro voucher for She Boutique on Friar Street in Thurless. And just to remind you that Santa will be turning on the lights in Thurlis on this Friday. Now, to win those vouchers, listen out for this.
2: Ho, 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 ho. it's Christmas in Thurless.
1: And when you hear that uh, next time round, it will be your cue to call. And at that point, if you give us your, your name, your your details, and if you put uh, Thurlis at the end of your contribution, we'll pop you in the draw. Simple as that. Quick look at the front pages. The Irish Independent telling us that Dublin city rioters um, should have their social welfare cuts and be given punitive prison sentences for wreaking havoc across the capital last night. Saffir so, Gael parliamentary uh, party meeting heard. There is an amazing photograph on the front of the Indo today. It's a polar bear in Norway's uh, Svalbard Archipelago and uh, it's a picture of the bear taking a nap on a bed of ice and it's the most striking image. I mean it's a marvellous, marvellous photograph. Well done to the photographer in question there. Um, The Irish Examiner Their main story, the government is fearful for the safety of asylum seekers who face being homeless this week due to a lack of accommodation. And The integration minister, Roderick O'Gorman, has warned cabinet colleagues that the state will likely not be in a position to offer international protection applicants accommodation later this week due to a shortage of beds. That shouldn't surprise anybody, you would imagine, but there you go. Uh, Also on the examiner today, the Taoiseach uh, has warned of a worst-case scenario of the country facing large-scale riots with uh, people armed with petrol bombs and firearms. At, uh, again, the Finna uh, Gael Parliamentary Party meeting last night, uh, the Taoiseach said that existing staffing levels in the and the Defence Forces, may not be adequate for a situation like last week's Dublin riots um, if uh, participants were armed with guns or petrol bombs. Talking about stating the bloomin' obvious. Uh, the Irish Times... Uh, a small, hardcore group of far-right agitators was last night at the centre of the Garda's um, investigation into the Dublin riots as detectives try to unearth evidence that would lead to criminal charges against them. Um, disappointing uh, story on the front of the Times as well. More than one in three students in higher education say they have seriously considered quitting their courses due to financial Pressures, personal reasons, or other factors, and that's according to a new survey. And the Irish Daily Mail telling us that the Gardaí will be able to access and intercept private conversations on social media sites under new legislation, as the Justice Minister promised to crack down on crime following the riots in Dublin. Are you concerned about that, I wonder? Just let me read that to you again. The Gardaí will be able to access and intercept private conversations on social media sites under new legislation. Um, how do you feel about that and those other stories? Oh, wait, three, three double, one, double three, double one, Now, as Pat told you in our news bulletin, 140,600 people arrived in Ireland in the year leading up to April, which represents a 31% increase from the year to April 2022. Now, the top three countries of uh, origin for asylum applications for Georgia, Algeria, and Somalia, uh, Somalia even. And the report said applications for international protection in Ireland accounted for 1.3 percent of the EU total. Richard joins me now. Good morning to you, Richard. Good morning, friend. And there's a number of things because you were in contact with us about various different uh, things. But first of all, can I ask you about those numbers? Are you surprised by those numbers?
3: I'm not really, no. But. Uh I'm, I'm, I'm surprised, as you said yourself, that the Taoiseach's the, the uh, remarks yesterday. Like, only people in the country can see uh, that the country is growing at a rate that the services that we have aren't able to cope with, regardless of whether they're illegal, whether they're people coming in for work or whatever. The population is expanding so much, and the idea that... Uh, Anything that's happening now it can be a surprise to anyone. It's, it just beggars belief. It shows how out to of touch they are with, with yeah. what's actually
1: happening. And, and I found, I mean, at the Parliamentary Party, Richard, um, the the shirt making the point that, you know, that the gardi uh, they they'd be in a very difficult situation if the riots took on a more sinister look with, with guns or petrol bombs. But, I mean, that's stating the the obvious. I mean, we saw on Thursday night how overwhelmed they were.
3: Well, yeah, and you see even they're mentioning there that uh, some of it might have been instigated by a small group of far right. So there's always quick to throw out these labels on people, but just think of it this way. So they're saying a small group of people were able to whip up such a frenzy that suddenly you had hundreds of of people, not alone demonstrating, but all the other carry-on, the loot and everything that went on. And and in order to try and get that back into order, the Gardaí had to have assistance from outside of the city, from parts of the country, to go in to stop it. Now, that leaves the rest of the country vulnerable. If they're saying in Dublin that that kind of chaos could be whipped up by a small number of people, a small number of people in any town in Ireland, so if they start something like that and it kicks off, where's a small town like Cashel or Caire or Tip? or Torres or Ross Grey going to be able to what are they going to be able to do? Because if you get if you get thirty or forty people who kick off in a smaller town, it'd be absolute chaos and nobody can do anything about it. And, and, uh,
1: and uh, do you have concerns, Richard, that some of our policing in our towns, I mean let's be parochial about it. Let's talk about Tipperary. Um that they're depleted in numbers because they're promising now that there will be a very large force of Gardaí in Dublin the whole way up to Christmas, but they must come from somewhere else.
3: Exactly. That's exposing the rest of the country. Okay, Dublin has to be looked after, but it's all Dublin-centric. The rest of the country has to be looked after. Uh, We've a huge increase in populations in a lot of small towns, and and, uh, we don't have the number of Gardaí commences with what should be there. Um, as I said, regardless of whether the people are here illegally or whether they've come in uh, with jobs lined up or whatever, the fact of the matter is we've a, a huge increase in population. The headlines there gave it over 100,000 last year alone. And the services, and particularly the police and services, are not there to deal with anything that can kick off. And we've seen that there's an undercurrent and, and, and a vicious on the current of stuff in Dublin. It would be ludicrous to think that there's not shades of that spread throughout the country. And any little thing that will happen, an incident in another town, could kick off something similar. And while they're all above in Dublin for Christmas, where are the people in the, in the other towns and down the country supposed to go for, for, for safety? And,
1: for and Richard, care? the notion that uh, the, the guardie and when I'm talking about the Gardaí, I'm not talking about the rank and file, I'm talking about uh, management and uh, I'm talking about the commissioner. That notion that they were taken by surprise on, on Thursday. I mean, even on this programme, predictions were made that it, it would only take one event to trigger something like that
3: is exactly the thing. The ordinary people sitting down in their own homes last week when they heard the awful events that occurred with the children and, and uh, their guardian being attacked immediately said to each other there's going to be trouble in Dublin tonight. This thing is going to kick off. Because there's an element of people out there and it may be a small element but it, no big fire starts without a spark. And, and and the idea that they were taken by surprise and, I mean, when you look at it, the Gardaí, the, the, the rank-and-file Gardaí, over 90% of them have no confidence in their leader. Yeah. And yet the Taoiseach and the minister have confidence in them. What does that say about, uh, about the way justice is being handled in this
1: country? What about the minister, Richard?
3: Oh, I think she's a disaster. She, she sits there in the door. And any time, if you watch any of the Dáil TV, any time that uh, an opposition or an independent brings up any matter, she sits there with a look of utter contempt on her face for, for this idea that she should be challenged. And, and I mean, the fascicle thing that she did going back there in the summer or Dublin as a safe city mm-hmm. and, 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 and that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, the, is, is, is not her, doing a good job? Is her position tenable? And the commissioner is he's Well, of
3: course. I mean, you have the headlines there, and you have me, Hall Martin. The, the thing about it is, all these votes and no confidence haven't worked us up because they'll all fall in behind the whip, and, and 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 this this is what's happening. And people, in general, people need to be more conscious of the, the fact when it comes up to election time and everything. That if you're voting for somebody in the party at the end of the day it's the party whip they're going to obey whether, whether the issue that they're dealing with is a local one or not. They will go so far with the local issue but if it comes to the whip they'll take the whip because they don't want to jeopardise their future in the party any younger guy or woman with ambition of climbing up the party ladder is going to take the party whip and people need to be conscious of that
1: do you have any concerns about knee-jerk legislation, Richard? And I'm just thinking that story in the mail today: the Gardaí will be able to access and intercept uh, private conversations on social media under new legislation that Minister McEntee uh, has promised to crack down on crime following the riots in in, in Dublin. But Thank you. that's that's an interesting one, though, to to, to give access like that to it's private
2: conversations. It's a development. Yeah, it is, and and the same
3: thing with with the. the bill that she's proposing where uh, it's basically whatever you're having on the day, hate will be whatever they define it as. And interestingly enough um, even now it's getting a lot of coverage on international uh, news outlets about how draconian uh, a law it is and how loose the definition of of hate is going to be.
1: Yeah, I played Um, a piece yesterday from Tucker Carlson and from Steve Bannon, yeah, and, and, and it, yeah. Carlson has an amazing viewership to that that sort of video cast that he does. I mean, millions and millions of people. It was interesting to hear what he had to say.
3: Yeah, like in, like we're so used to watching the American thing now banging on continuously about Biden and Trump, mm. but suddenly <laughs> they to look into little Ireland now yeah, and say, yeah. what the hell is going on over there? And people are so busy trying to just make a living and get by. They don't watch these things all the time, yeah. and things yeah. are being brought in by stealth. And suddenly, a person down the line will find out that oh, oh you're after breaking a law there. That, by the way, you didn't even know existed. And, and, and yeah. it, it's a sinister kind of a setup. It's about control. If you if you don't follow the narrative that they want you to, well, then they want you to shut up.
1: Yeah, because I'm not sure how many people. Did, uh, did like we're across this yesterday that the Cabinet gave approval for an amendment to data legislation which will permit Garda inspectors to provide communication service providers such as Vodafone. Um, They can get them to give cell site location data for instance as well. So I I just have concerns about all of this kind of thing being undermined in terms of privacy. But even the
3: whole labelling of people and everything else. I mean, once upon a time I thought I knew what left wing and right wing was. And 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 I always kind of thought that I w- I, w- I was kind of centrist myself. Yeah. Now I don't know what the hell I am because um, somebody can say something that I agree with on one side, and I might agree with something on the other side. But nobody wants it to be centrist. You're either one hundred percent with them, or you're you're one hundred percent against them. So there's, there's no middle ground for, for people mm. to have a debate. You're either far right or you're far left.
1: But you, Richard, most people, you know, will go on a case by case basis in terms of oh, how, so. how they view something. You know, I, 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 I don't accept that most people are either left or right. I, no, I, I but, don't think so. Like you get
3: you get good reporting and you get good coverage, and on the likes of your own show and some of the other. Uh, Regional-based radio stations around, but when you go into the mainstream, the narrative is all the same. If 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 you don't have the view that the presenter has, uh, if you manage to get on the program, you'll be treated very harshly. But if you're on the same view as them, you'll get a soft touch. It's like I think it was um, Today FM. I might be wrong now. It was either Today FM or News Talk last week on the evening show. Uh, they had a guy on and he was presenting all the reasons why uh, you you couldn't prevent these people coming in without passports. Mm. And, like, it was ludicrous stuff, like saying, oh, there'd be too many people coming off the planes, and and how would they cope above at the top, and they wouldn't have have video of them and all this. Nobody gets on a plane without a passport, and there's a flight list for every plane that comes in. So the idea that someone can present themselves and say... uh, I I have no passport and nobody knows where they came from. It's just ludicrous. But if you're of the one view, that's fine. If you say anything against if you're dissenting, you're immediately labelled.
1: And do you but, know, Elizabeth made a very good point to me yesterday as well, that it's a perfect, legitimate stance to be right, to, to be right-wing in terms of your politics, as it is perfectly legitimate to be left-wing. You know, but this this impression that everybody who might be sort of conservative in their politics are, are right-wing. But it's this extreme,
3: you're extreme yeah. right, your extreme left. Because people on the left have, 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 have good ideas yeah. and poor ones. Those people on the right have good ideas and poor ones. Nobody is 100% right, but it's gone to yes. the state now that you have to be one or the other. You're, yeah. you're either 100% with me or you're 100% against
1: me. Yeah, because, I mean, if you take very far left, you have Stalin, and very far yeah. right, you have Hitler, you know? Exactly. So, so. so,
3: so like, how can how can you label people like that? Yeah. Well, we get back then to the, the, the government side of things. A huge problem, is when, when you have people in power whether it's in, in, in management, in a company, in a business, in a sports club, if you have people who will never admit that they're wrong or that they've pushed the thing too far, well, then you have a huge problem. And that's the big thing with this government. They're, they will not admit that they've got anything wrong or that it's time to draw in the reins on what's happening. And, and, and we probably have the worst possible government there at the minute because you have Varadkar, who at his age... Obviously, has his eye on a bigger job in Europe, so he's going to cozy up to them. Because, let's face it, if he doesn't get in again into power after the next election, his political career is over. He's at the top of the party already. He's the leader. He's the Taoiseach. So he's, he's he is his eye on the next job. You have Mihal Márton on the other side, who uh, happened to be there. Similar, I suppose, to Enda Kenny. He was the last man standing of the old guard in the party, and suddenly, at that, his age, he becomes leader and gets a chance to be teacher. Neither of them are doing what's best for this country at the minute. They're they're, they're doing what suits them to toe in line with Europe.
1: And, and Richard, and that's that's very it? that's very damning, Richard. That's that's.
3: Yeah, well, you see, the way things are going, you have to be cynical now, and, and and have a jaundiced look at anything that's going on, and 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 take nothing for granted, and think, why are they doing this? Mm. Why, why, when everyone, any reasonable person in the country can say, look, uh, this country at the minute does not have the facilities to cater for the amount of people that are here. We have a housing crisis. We have a health crisis. We have a policing crisis, and yet. They, they keep carrying on with the same policies. I mean, that doesn't make sense in any walk of life. If, some, if something is starting to go wrong, you don't keep plowing ahead. You start to put the brakes on and have a look at it and say, we have to steady up here now, get what we have right first before we go any further." But no, there's, there's, it's a notion that we have a policy and we're going to railroad it through no matter what. And to me, like a lot of the stuff that's going on, they have no mandate for it. And 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 we're, they're not governments. They're, they're, they're doing Europe's bidding for various reasons, whether it's for their own personal gain down the line. I, everything seems to be about yeah, the good European. Well, uh,
1: well, of course. I mean, I don't have to tell you, Richard. But I mean, Europe does have jurisdiction over us. You know. I mean, that's that's well, the yes, way it is it because we're, we're we're part of the union. You know. So, um,
3: is the European thing has it gone too far? Mm. Like, I mean, it started off. Many moons ago, and we didn't vote when well, mm. we were only children, mm. as the European Economic Community. The EBC,
4: community. yeah.
3: And yeah. it morphed into this thing, where now they have jurisdiction over our courts and everything. Um, mm. it, it's like we voted against referendums, and, and they didn't like the result, and they brought them back to us. And, and yeah. so... There's nothing democratic about the EU at the minute. The only democratic thing I think we have in this country at the moment is the fact that we have the right to vote. And that's the one thing people better hold on to and use their vote wisely the next time they get a chance.
1: All right. Richard, real pleasure. And thank you so much for, for, for making time way. for us today, Richard. Thank um, you. Good good morning Bye. to you. Good morning to you. That's uh, Richard speaking there. What do you think about that? 1800 938 007. The text and WhatsApp is only 3311 3311.
0: Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie
1: A listener is concerned and says that it beggars belief what comes out of their mouths. Uh, they're giving ideas to the rioters, telling them they couldn't handle it if they started with petrol bombs, and that's making reference to that piece that I read from the Examiner today where uh, the Taoiseach is reported to have said that existing staffing levels in the Guardian, the Defence Forces, may not be adequate for a situation like last week's Dublin riots if uh, participants were armed with guns or petrol bombs. Here's another interesting one. Fran, as a Garda, I can tell you, there are zero plans to put more guardie in Tipperary stations in the near future. All the new recruits will be sent to Dublin for the long term. This is disgraceful, knowing the fact that our Tipperary stations are massively undermanned. Our commissioner's answer is to fire uh, is to fire civilian staff into stations who obviously don't respond to calls. Unfortunately, the future is bleak unless we change our management structure and put new members into our Tipperary. Stations, 083-311-3311. Now on to a different topic, because we've been discussing shingles on the programme. And I spoke to my friend Michael Egan yesterday who told us about his experience with shingles. Well, Anne was in touch and she joins me now. Good morning to you, Anne. Good morning, Fran. How are you? I'm very well indeed, Anne. But more importantly, how are you? Because you, you got shingles, did you? I got
5: shingles last year, Fran.
1: Yeah, and t- t- tell me about uh, that, that experience of what that was like, first of all, then.
5: Oh, the pain was awful, Fran. It was such a pain. I'll never forget it in my life. It was terrible. And um, I I was away down the country where you used to be, down in Mr. Grana when I got them. Yeah. And uh, when I was down there, I got this terrible pain and I could see every hour of the clock all night because the pain was so bad. I didn't know what was wrong with me. So next morning I went to the doctor and the doctor said I probably had a pull muscle in my back. Because and you you, uh, you
1: had no rash at this point, did you ask? No,
5: no, no rash. O- only no, no, pain, no, no. yes. Just mm. pain, terrible mm. pain. And uh, <clears throat> the doctor said that probably it was a pull muscle. When you go home, go back to your own doctor. So I did. And when I went back to my own doctor in Chumivara, um, he said that straight away it was the shingles I had. And she said that uh, mm. he would give me tablets and that first. Yes. So the next thing, anyway, uh, my husband said to me that he knew how somebody had a cure for it. Mm. So they, they, uh, we actually met the person that said that, that somebody had a cure. So mm. they said not to take the tablet if you were going to somebody who had a cure because it wouldn't work. Mm. So I didn't. So we went to the man in Moneygall. And uh, he came. I went the first night, then I went into the house to him and he put a needle in sterilizing water. Sterilized, yeah, sterilized the needle in, in boiling water. Mm-hmm. And when he put the needle in, then he pricked my his finger and he got blood and he rubbed the blood all over my back.
1: From his finger?
5: From, from his finger with okay. the blood. Right. He rubbed it all over my back. And uh, the next night, then he came to the house just for three days he came to the house then and afterwards he came back to see how I was and I was better just about, he said it would take a bit to get better but I was better then in no time So I. So how how
1: long did it take you to get better then Anne?
5: Well it took uh, it took about I'd say about a week or maybe two weeks
1: Hmm.
5: because I had a a few visits with him like when he came out to the house then uh, it was a couple of weeks and uh, I got this for them, but I went to the doctor then and I told him that I didn't want to get them again. Was there anything he could do? Mm. So the doctor said he could give me the vaccine. Mm. And uh, it would cost a couple of hundred, I suppose, but he would give it to me and he said to prevent me from getting them again.
1: And did you you take uh, the vaccine, Anne? I took
5: the vaccine, yes, and I did. I took the vaccine and and, uh, I never got them since. Right. Hopefully I won't.
1: And go back to the cure for me, Anne. I mean, are you assured that it it was that, that method of rubbing the blood on you that cured you, you think?
5: Oh, definitely, yeah, because that man is travelling everywhere. He goes all over the country, and he's found Money Gold, and he's he's the Great brig He brought the... Um, he brought the cure from his uncle Mm. and his mother, I think yeah, his father before that had the cure so it was passed from one to the other but he travelled everywhere to cure people and he has cured a lot of people
1: It's incredible and uh, you know, let me just be devil's advocate here for a moment if I can Anne Um, Would you have been cured, do you think if you took the medication as well?
5: Um, It would take a long time I was told Right. And then again, I told I don't know, maybe, maybe not. If I was going to be sure it could take a long time, I maybe not.
1: Right. And, <laughs> and do you have any, because I I think you might have heard Michael's chat with me yesterday, do you have any long-term effects from, from getting shingles, Anne?
5: No, it's just I, 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 have, um, I, I am an, an asthmatic, but my asthma was never as good since I, my doctor changed me on uh, trilogy inhaler. I never look back since I went on in inhaler right. from the asthma. So I've no wheeze or no nothing now, and I have asthma three years, and I, I'm as good as good as good good as new
4: with it. Mm. I
5: don't have any attacks. I didn't have an attack for first for I suppose, six years, five to six years. I was in hospital in Saint John's in Limerick with an asthma attack, and I haven't looked back since. I've never been in for oxygen or anything since.
1: Isn't that fantastic? And you're not on an inhaler or anything? I'm like on
5: it? a trilogy inhaler, yeah.
1: Oh, are you? Yeah.
5: Yeah, yeah if I need it. And I, I take it, because I was told to still take it, even that my asthma was so good. Hmm. But I still take it. And I'm on a, a Salamalese breed. That's a, called a Ventiman, for the wheeze, if I had a wheeze. But no, I don't seem to have wheeze. And I used to be very bad. I used to be on a nebulizer. And okay. it's going every year for the oxygen in
1: the hospital. Right, but, but and now I don't
5: have but, to go anywhere. Well it haven't about. been I'm also oh well from God, yeah. And,
1: and can I can I ask you, when you when you got shingles, were you unwell with something else? In other words, was your immune system depleted in some way or were you stressed or I'm just wondering how you got it in the first place. <laughs>
5: um, friend, I can't really say only yeah. that I was uh, just, I don't know, it just came on all of a sudden, yeah. as I said, when I was down, where you used to play in this round, I used to see you every yeah. Sunday night, yes. and Muriel. Uh. And I also seen you on Sunday, and Nina.
1: Oh, did you indeed? <laughs> oh, you should yes. have come up and said hello. It was a great day, in Nina, wasn't
5: it? I was going to, but then I said, I was embarrassed, I didn't want to go. Oh, not I at all, sure. I'd love, love to time. see you,
1: Anne. I'd love to see you.
5: Yeah, yeah, you so. are yeah, so why- that's great a great day
1: though. Ah, it was fantastic. Good great team. Such, yes. such There's a lot there. of
5: people there packed, yeah.
1: And uh, do, you, do you know this cure you got for the would you have gone for folk cures before? Similar kind of cures? I mean, would you
5: would, No, friend, I've no. never went for a cure like that before. No, no, no. Yeah. Well, but he is he's he's a, he a great man. Um he actually travels all over the country as I said to you already, and he 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 has cured a lot of people. He travels to their houses and everything. He has travelled a lot. I could give you his name. I could give you his phone number. But at the yeah. minute, I haven't got his phone number. Off yeah, no, no, no problem. Could, we,
1: we, we wouldn't give it out on air anyway. But if it's yeah. okay, uh, Emma might chase it up with you because we'd love to talk to him as well. Somebody wondering, <coughs> excuse me, is it Cahill's blood? Because seemingly that's a particular cure if it's blood from a member of the Cahill family. Or because Ali was telling me about this earlier on. So several people on about that. So it's uh, yes. Yeah. yeah. But you needn't give me his name, but he's not Cahill. Sure he's not. Oh, no, no, no he's from no. Moneygall,
5: Monigal, you're yeah. where Obama
1: came to, you know. <laughs> indeed, I do. Moneygall,
5: Hantiopoli, where Obama
1: came to. Yes, indeed. Um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's an interesting one, but I'm glad you're well anyway, Anne, which is, which is the main thing. <laughs> And, oh, thank you so much, And, and had you any after-effect when you got the vaccine? Were you fine after the vaccine? Oh, I
5: was I was perfect after Excellent. getting the vaccine. Excellent. No, I had no side effects or anything.
1: Right, but it cost you?
5: It did cost me, yeah.
1: Yeah.
5: To guess it, yeah, it cost me €200. Euro.
1: It, well, that's not too bad, because I'm hearing about €500, euro because I think in some cases you need two injections. Oh, no, €200, euro, my
5: doctor and tell me that. Oh, ah, well, uh, fair play. I, 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 I got the vaccine in the chemist, and they... And, uh, told me to go home and to, to, when I get it, to put it in the fridge until I'm called in. Oh, so when I was good. called in, then I took it with me.
1: Very good. <clears throat> very good. You, you'll have a medical degree soon, Anne, with the way you're...
5: I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just so happy to have my health now and well, be well again. Well,
1: I'm happy about that as well. And you look after yourself and thanks for coming on with me.
5: Yeah, thank, thank you so much. Thank you. Friend. Happy, Hi, happy Christmas
1: to you, Anne. Bye bye to you now. Same to you, Fran. Bye
5: bye, Fran. Bye bye.
1: That's uh, Anne, 083 311 3311. Back in just uh, a moment.
0: Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry in association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery's Garage.ie.
1: Now, much coming in about shingles. Fran, years ago, they say kahal blood was a cure for shingles. And uh, like the lady on with you talking about blood, my late father-in-law was cured with it uh, many years ago. But COVID ended all of that, I suppose, uh, says uh, Josie. Somebody else saying, was that Karl's blood? Uh, that was the old cure. Yeah, I'm hearing that from quite a few listeners. And Ali was telling me uh, about it in the office earlier on as well. Uh, Fran Walsh's blood is also a known cure for singles, uh, shingles even and there's a lady in Clonauty that cures shingles and uh, all say that it works great Yeah, when I, when I was young, I, thankfully I never had shingles but when I was young I remember hearing about Mrs Meskel who I think was out, was a it Bor-Lanway? um, who had a cure, a particular cure for shingles as well um, Fran, with the COVID booster have anything to do with uh, shingles? I know a few people who got a booster and got shingles shortly afterwards. There seems to be a lot of talk about shingles lately. Yeah, I put that to... Um Uh, to Dr. Pat Harold yesterday that there appears to be a lot of talk about uh, shingles uh, of late. Anyway, 0833113311. I was in Killarney last night I met a fantastic bunch of people from the Templemore area. They were pure dotes and they were having great fun in the Glen Eagle. But they wanted me to mention all the girls from the active retirement in Templemore today on the radio and just to tell all their friends and family that they're having a fantastic time in um, in Killarney and they'll be there for the next few days as well for most dog owners the idea of extending their beloved companion's life is tantalising, I suppose. A dog's lifespan, about 10 to 13 years, is only a small portion of the average humans and some breeds, especially larger ones, have an even shorter life expectancy. But a San Francisco-based biotech company called Loyal has announced its anti-aging drug for canines and it has uh, cleared the first of several hurdles needed to be approved by the Food and Drug Administration. However, it does need to undergo clinical trials yet. Uh, Maureen Leahy of Aravets in Tipperary Town joins me now. Mairead, good morning to you. Morning. And uh, good to talk to you. It's been a while, Mairead. Yeah. Uh, that idea of extending our, our pet's life, it would be tantalising to us. Are, are you across this drug? Do you know anything about it, Mairead? No,
6: I hadn't heard anything from the veterinary side of it anyway. I'm, um, just from reading the article, I haven't heard anything here yet yeah. about it. Um, I suppose the first thing that I was thinking when I was reading it is like, Ooh, is that the right thing to do and like when is the drug given as well? Like, is it given when the dog is already old and potentially has you know arthritis and maybe dental disease already started? are we prolonging that sort of suffering? Um, that was kind of yes. what I was thinking
1: Well my understanding of it and I just glanced through it as well Maraid, is that really they they're thinking in terms of this drug being administered to a healthy yeah. uh, dog. To not not somebody who's, not a dog who's infirmed in some way, so.
6: Yeah, I, like, You'd still be concerned,
1: that, though, I'd say, would you?
6: Yeah, I would find it concerning because I will be more for, like, you know, Milo's 11 and a half, he's heading on 12, and he's, if I could do anything to keep that dog alive forever, I would, you know, he's, yeah, there'll never be another one like him, but at the same time, we have, like, I'm all for quality of life in here, you know, if it's all down to how happy that dog is for whatever length of time he lives, and we're not given that option to pet. Like we're not saying to pets, "Oh, um, I'm going to give you a drug." We're not really sure the side effects. Like every drug has a side effect, and mm, um, mm. there's you know there's no possible way that it won't have side effects, and they can't give their consent for that. Um, and we have to question, you know, if we give that drug. Are people like people have a responsibility to look after the quality of life as well? You know, if dogs are living longer, um, you need to take in, you need to factor in, you know, looking after their teeth really well. Mm-hmm. You need to factor in looking after their joints. And um, all those things have to be factored in. And um, it's not just as simple as giving the drug and having a dog live forever.
1: Yeah, it's interesting, and I'm not sure if you got a, a chance to read through. The whole yeah. article, towards the end of the article, inevitably, they're talking about, you know, a drug similar to this being available for humans at humans, some point. Or yeah. And you'd wonder, is that really what's behind this, that, you know, it starts off... I, with, yeah,
6: um, you'd have to question it. Yeah. You have to question that as well. And I don't know, I... I it's a D- it's a DNA altering drug, so it's affecting the DNA, the aging DNA. Oh, is that how and it works? Yeah. Yeah, that's what like from reading of it, that's what they're that's what they're talking about. It's the DNA altering. And I just feel like anything DNA or cell related, you have to question um an increase in cancer um, because you're 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 playing around with cells and you know, I'm all for quality of life and mm. there has been drugs in the last couple of years that have come um, for say arthritis injections for pain relief, and mm. they're absolutely fantastic. You know, dogs are doing so well in it, and and cats as well. And there's so much you can do to help your dog live longer without giving them drugs. And that, and again, that starts when they're five or six, and um, when they're healthy and course, young. You know, yeah. keeping their weight at you know a nice um, normal level, not allowing them to get too heavy. And um, you know, looking after their teeth. Um, That's a big reason dogs and cats live longer is when people actually invest in their teeth. I just worry that someone might go, oh, I've given my dog this injection at six years old. And then they forget that there's other things that they need to factor in as well. They kind of have. They feel like that's the safety net. That would be my kind of worry That'll with be, it.
1: And and am I reading between the lines of what you're saying to me that there would be ethical issues with it as well? I,
6: I feel like there would, yeah, um, and because yeah. there has to be side effects. And yeah. um, there has to be every drug has side effects. And we're not really asking our dog at six years old if they're happy to be subjected to this. And is it a one off injection as well? Is it once-off or is it going to have to be given every year? That's my other thing. Do you know, I can't imagine one-off injection will prolong um, a life Oh, that's, that's
1: interesting. So you think it would be, yeah, it would have to be topped up in some ways.
6: I'd imagine so. I can't imagine that a one-stop um, yeah. medication... And I presume will...
1: at huge cost as well, I would yeah, imagine. Yeah, and then
6: you'd, right, yeah. Yeah, you'd have to wonder what the insurance companies will think as well. You know, if you have your pet insured and you give them that drug, you know, will will they will they still pay for ageing conditions? Or, you know, I, I don't know what the ethics behind that is, Um. It'll be interesting to see how it unfolds. Did, yeah. It sounds a bit too good to be true, basically, to
1: me. Doesn't it indeed, yeah. And you mentioned insurance there. I was interested to read today, Murray, that only 15% of pets in Ireland are insured by comparison to, say, Sweden, where 90% of pets yeah. are insured. That's an issue, isn't it? Because depending on what happens to your, your dog, but it could yeah. cost you a lot of money. Yeah,
6: and insurance in Ireland, I suppose maybe not at the same level as, well, I don't know Sweden, but the UK, because... In the UK, you can, get life, you can kind of get uh, life insurance. You, you pay a certain amount and it stays the same for life, So, um, whereas the ones in Ireland don't have that yet. Mm, um, right. And I think maybe it's just lack of knowledge. I feel like some people think that insurance for their dog is really, really expensive, and they don't even look into it. You know, a lot of people are like, ah, oh, there's no point. But I can tell you one thing. Insurance um, is the main reason that Milo is still with us today because there's... So much advances in veterinary medicine, and it means that you have that insurance there. Um, we were able to send him for um, surgery in, up in the veterinary specialist in need. Do you know, because I had him insured, it made a huge difference.
1: Isn't that very interesting? So, obviously, obviously, you would advocate this big time.
6: I really would. And yeah. the part that people forget is public liability. And I know it's something that we don't like to discuss, but. And the insurance, a lot of insurance policies will cover public liability. So it covers things like if your dog ran out in front of the car and caused an accident, you are liable to pay the damages to that car, and um, the insurance will cover that. Or if your dog, you know, unfortunately, you know, caused damage to someone or mm. something, it will cover that. Like that. Yeah. yeah. And it also will cover, and um, some of them will even cover if your dog goes missing. You know, a reward for that, or oh, you know, the posters. Yeah, or boarding. If you're sick in hospital and you need to board your dog, I know some insurance companies will actually cover the boarding for that. Or there's loads of different things it covers. And for me, I'm paying about two to three hundred euro a year for my So it's not. And now he's expensive because he's over seven now, and right. you know, yeah. Um, it's something that I I wouldn't have a dog without insurance.
1: a right. cat. But I mean, if you had, if if Milo needed an operation, for example, if there was a pelvic issue or something, like, yeah, we, we're talking about a couple of grand, are we? We're we're talking about yeah, a lot of
6: and you are like really you are talking about two grand up for really any orthopedic surgeries now because veterinary has just advanced so much and you know it's not like it was twenty years ago. There's a lot more to it and a lot more. You know advances in it that makes it more costly but you know there's a lot more that we can do nowadays that we couldn't do 20 years ago which is brilliant and that is what's prolonging pet lives as well you know all that
1: Um, Yeah, of course. And uh, I know it's predictable that we would talk about it at this time of year, but the ISPCA coming out today as well, Mairead, and Mm -hmm. saying it's not fair to buy pups as gifts just to throw them away then. And, you know, I'm not sure how many years you and I have uh, spoken about this, but people must keep it in mind, you know. Yeah,
6: it's a hard topic because obviously when you're buying the pup in your head, you're saying, I'll never throw this puppy away. But then sometimes the reality of it hits. A little bit later so you have to imagine yourself and um, every day your normal routine and how you would cope with a four-legged friend that you know needs to be looked after 24 7 and you know so you know Christmas it might sound nice at the time and I don't think anyone goes and buys a puppy with it in the back of their mind you know that I'm going to throw it of away course, so yeah. everyone people will read that article oh that's not me but you do have to really like, like I was saying, Milo's nearly 12 now, and I'm hoping he'll be around for another three to four years. So, mm. like, there are 15 to 16-year commitments. That's what we have to remember. And you have to picture, you know, if you're buying it for your 10-year-old son, is he going to be around to look after it when he's 25?
1: That's that's very stark now, to to put it in those terms. It is a huge commitment, isn't it?
6: Yeah, it's yeah. not just for Christmas, and. It's very easy to read them articles and say it's not me, um, yeah. but you know you have to. That's what you have to factor in.
1: Yeah, for for, for sure. Are, are you still coming across issues with people buying um, pets online uh, from unscrupulous um, types, think... or is that has that died down? No,
6: a it bit? has really died down. Unfortunately, yeah. there's a lot of um, those three and four year old dogs now ending up in in animal rescues, and um, because because of being bought at that time and people weren't really thinking into the future and you know um, I'm not seeing it as much and I think I think because Dundee is no longer advertising it yeah. um, they're yeah. kind of, you know, it's, it has reduced but it's still there and we, we just need to be so careful about where we're buying puppies from and um, mm. if, if they, they're they're trying to sell a pup, basically, do you know, so yeah, you have yeah, to be of careful.
1: Course, yeah. Of course, and they'll all look cute and fluffy when they're that Exactly, age, but, but and then say, they yeah.
6: start peeing and pooing and waking up at night.
1: And <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't, I know. Some people are looking for some advice where insurance is concerned, but we don't yeah. particularly want to, to, uh, you know. Well, I can't, yeah, yeah, I can't,
6: like, all I would say is, like, just do your homework on it and ask a few questions, and the main thing will be, is, like, insure your dog when it's a pup, you know. Obviously, there's no point insuring your dog when it's five or six and they already have health conditions. You know, insure your insure your pup when you get it. Nice. And um, it is it's a maybe it's a nice present to give to someone for Christmas this year rather than, you know, or to your own pet for Christmas instead of buying the fancy rugs and, you know, beds and everything, maybe that's a present
1: you can give. Right, a very, very good idea indeed. Do you know, an interesting one from Melissa, obviously you're too busy, but we were talking about uh, shingles, um, is there a form of shingles that dogs get, for example?
6: No. No. no, not that I've heard of anyway, no. No, no I was just wondering in terms yeah, of... Yeah, no, um, no, thankfully, we don't have to deal with that now.
1: You have enough issues. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How are you settling into that lovely premises of yours but there? we're
6: three years here now. Is it three so years? My yeah, note. we're making it, we're changing it every day. We have, we've actually a veterinary specialist joining us now in um, January, which will be brilliant. She um She does dentistry and she's oh, actually into brilliant. herbal medicine and pain. So it's great, you know, to be pushing on again with stuff like
1: that. Fantastic indeed. Well, yeah. happy Christmas to you and all Thank of your you, team you there, Maraid. So Thank much. you. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Mareed Leahy there of Aravets in Tipperary Town. They have the most beautiful premises there on the Limerick Road in uh, Tipperary Town and all sorts of uh, uh, wonderful equipment there and I, I know they have all sorts of uh, healing pools and one thing and another for your pets there as well. Um, Alright, uh, news and information is on the way. Tip today with Fran Curry.
0: With Slattery's Garage, Puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slattery'sgarage.ie.
1: You're very welcome back to the second hour of Tip Today. Uh, That free phone number eighteen hundred nine three eight double oh seven if you want to chat to Emma. You can text in WhatsApp O eight three three double one double three double one. You can email tip today at tipfm.com. Now it was at Fitzpatrick's Country Club in Clanmore on a Sunday night and John was telling me that the Barnet uh, Reaching Out Historical Society book launch is happening there on this coming Friday night. It's at uh, half past eight. There will also be a video showing of Clonmore Historical Drive as well. The books will be available on the night and from this coming Saturday they'll be available all over the place the Norbrook Lounge, Mulrooney's Gala Shop in Ross Grey um, Carroll Centre, Circle K in Ross Grey and Centenary, Lauren uh, Farm Store and all around the place basically but if you want to make your way along to uh, Clonmore and uh, to Fitzpatrick's on Friday night I would imagine that'll be a great night there for the book launch that'll be joined now by Jodie Jody, good morning to you Good morning to you, Fran. Lovely to talk to you again, Jodie. You were listening to to John Lachey earlier on and you were impressed by what you heard from him.
7: Oh, my goodness. Yeah, absolutely, Fran. He spoke so much common sense, which is not prevailing at the moment in the GAA. Now, like John, when I read all these... Rules and what they were trying to, are are wanting to bring in, I'd said, uh, this is a prank. You can't be, this can't be right. This can't be true and whatever. And as I read down through them, I said, oh my God, what is this? And then to find out, yes, it is true and whatever. Like, I mean, Fran, as John said, family comes first Mm -hmm. and that is so true and whatever. Secondly, um, you know, is there any, there's nobody, within the hierarchy of the GA that are bringing out these are thinking of the youngsters' mental health. Mm, you know, yeah. and
1: it's... Joe so, made know, that point, Jody. Yeah, know, absolutely.
7: A- and, I mean, friend, you know my view on the mental health in mm, this country. Yeah. It's just deplorable, absolutely deplorable. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I was... I, I am a mother of two sons and two daughters that played smogie and hurling and football and soccer and rugby and all of the different games, going here, there and everywhere all over the country with the children, dropping them here, there and everywhere for training, this, that and the other thing. What has, what's gone wrong with our society? That, you know, it's no longer about taking part. It is win, win, win at all odds, at all costs. They don't seem to care how they do, you know, they don't seem to be thinking of the... You know, of mm. the children, and, and especially the youngsters that are dropped, like, boom, bang. Like yeah, baby funny that enough, that was the,
1: the comment that's been picked up on from yeah. the conversation, that uh, they're literally dropped, there's no support yeah. services for them. No, and it true. may be the case, Jodie, that this was their entire life. This was their yeah. passion, and, you know.
7: Absolutely, Fran, mm. absolutely. And, you know, at, at the end of the day, these youngsters and are amateurs they're not professionals Mm. they're not getting paid a lot of them are coming from their college on a train or the parents are picking them up for training and driving them back again like i mean that is huge commitment Without all of this, they can't do this. They can't do that. They can't. You know. Yes. Ah, they'd really want to cop on, friend. Really, that's. I'm. I'm really getting annoyed. And, and just annoyed
1: for people, for people who d- didn't see the eleven um, uh, requirements, just just to yeah. give you some of them. Uh, no holidays during the championship period, yeah, June to October, unless approved by management and the leadership group. It all sounds very. <laughs> Military, like or something. Uh, no drinking during the championship. Um, unapproved drinking means suspension or removal yeah. from uh, the panel. There's also mandatory attendance and fitness test markers. Um, yeah. Logging of all activi- activity on the app. And, and this one's interesting. Commitment uh, by the team to lead the team fundraising activities and to players training fund thereafter. Yeah. So as well as all of the commitment to the game and to training, they have to be in the pubs and clubs to, to raise money. Uh,
7: you know, it's it's just uh, whoever, I don't know, friend. I would just like to get to, 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 to meet that person or those people that are, are putting out these uh, rules and regulations because for one, you know, each day we're losing another little bit of our heritage. What's going to happen now is People are not going to... Youngsters are not going to even bother. Turn yeah. up for training. They're, they're going to drop out. They're not going to... And then we're going to lose our national game of our hurling, our football and our camogie, right? So what happens to you youngsters? I mean, youngsters get out on the pitch... They love to to train. They love to do the play in a match and whatever, but that's going to be taken away from them mm. by the, these rules and silly. All I'm going and to say. And what did you make Jody,
1: What did you make Jody of number ten, which is no other sporting commitments past no. you? Soccer, golf, rugby, athletics, etc. Uh,
7: yeah, we're they're, they're trying to go back to the old days where the if band. you played hurling, yeah, yeah the band. Yeah. If you played hurling, you can't play soccer or that foreign game or any of those games. That is absolute ridiculous. You know, it's just ridiculous, man. Absolutely ridiculous. And, you know, at the end of the day John Lahy is a superb he was a superb player and yeah. he is fantastic role for the, you know, model for yeah. the youngsters with his addiction uh, counselling and all of the different things he does, which is brilliant and whatever. More like John Lahy should be brought in to you know, to, to mentor these youngsters and whatever, because if you're dropped off a team, oh my God, you're just left and that's it and goodbye. Tough, mm. you weren't good uh, enough. As I look. say, it was that's a sort fair.
1: of, it was just a small part of our conversation, but it's the one that was picked up on, and a couple of mothers, in particular, onto me to say that yeah. you know recently uh, their their kids were dropped and yeah. you no, know, just got a phone call out of the blue to say,
7: and they don't they don't yeah. even give you an explanation half the time. They just say. Dropped goodbye and dropped the phone on you. It's just, I, I Fran, you know, as I said, I drove all over Ireland with my lads, uh, hurling training, or was say, going to matches this, that, and the other thing. And you know, at the end of the day, you want you do all you wanted, all any mother or father wants to do is to see their kids happy and content, and within the games they play and whatever. But this is just putting such a wedge now within factions of the GA. It's just it's mm. just ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Now we're
1: understanding we don't know exactly what club this is. It's not in temporary, by the way. We we don't know exactly what club this is, but I presume that this would have had to be run by a county board.
7: Had to be. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, Fran. You know, um as I said and going back to my statement again, it's all about winning now. It's not about taking part anymore. It's about win go out there and win and go out there and win at any cost you know and that's not fair it's going to be to the cost of the youngsters mental health and physical health not on.
1: Right so a lot of nonsense as far as you're concerned. Oh
7: I sorry, oh, absolutely friend nonsense is, isn't the word for it and whatever you know uh, Secondly can I just pass on my sympathies to um, the families of the the, the the child, the children and the care, care worker oh yeah. in Dublin it's just so
4: horrendous, so guilty, Horrendous.
7: It, yeah. And yeah. Fran, I have said to you numerous times on the radio. I'm sorry, but the politicians live in another land. They live in another world. They're, you know, and whatever they. This was coming down the line for so so long. They just did not take any notice of it. They just piled them in and piled them in people in and whatever. And now people are just in in uproar. Now I I condone con- uh, completely the violence and the looting and all of that in Dublin, that's not on, it's not right and whatever. But my stance on this is we have to go like America. All the youngsters that are doing all of this damage around Dublin and the whole lot send them into the army for a stint, like they do in America. So you're talking about you zero,
1: zero tolerance. Zero tolerance
7: on this, Absolutely, yeah. zero tolerance. Send them into the army and um, Take men out of them because now they're getting they're going into the courts. The guards are doing a great mm. job getting them into the courts, solicitors uh, getting uh, defending them, prosec- the prosecutor trying uh, prosecuting, um, solicitors trying to to, to um, get punishment for them. And the judges are giving them a tap in the hand and say, Off you go now. They could have a hundred convictions and they're still let go. There's no sense or meaning to
1: that, Fran. And are you, know? you saying to me, Jody? because a lot of people are making this point, that what happened in Dublin on Thursday night was predictable. I mean, you know, people yeah. have said it here on this programme yeah, yeah, that it yeah. needed one event for this to kick off yeah. in some way unless it was dealt with by the government. Absolutely. absolutely. You, you, you go along with that.
7: Oh, I would, absolutely. And there's very little being said about the person that did the stabbing, you know, and, you know, I don't know and maybe it's not fair to quote but you know what, it, what happened with him you know what what you know has he mental health problems that he didn't get looked after you, you see it's all it's all just a can of worms and it has now exploded and you know they have to now yeah. try and quail yeah. it and whatever because as i said Fran, it's the younger the younger ones of 12 13 14 they won't get any any punishment for what they do you know what I mean?
1: And do you think at this point, I mean, uh, the guard commissioner has he to consider his position? And what, what about the the minister Helen McEntee?
7: Look, as somebody said on the television last night, changing the minister is not going to it's not going to 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 do much. Now mm. they need action, you know, and whatever Helen McEntee. Look at, I would, I would. Put out. I think I would sack the whole lot of them, mm. Fran. Mm. Not alone, Hor. I'd sack the whole lot of them because, at the end of the day, there's people coming into Ireland that have no passports. They have. They're not vetted. They're not. You know. So. Now, I didn't see that program
1: last night. You're referring to, but did did not uh, was the Pippa Hackett was on it? Uh, did they not say that there is vetting going on? Was that not said oh, on that program last
7: it, night? Fran, you know, and I know that there is a a huge amount of people coming into Ireland that are unvetted and they are just getting through the loop. I don't know where they're getting through. I was in a taxi in Dublin I'd taken my mum to Beaumont Hospital uh, there uh, last year and one of the taxi drivers told me that he got a call from the HSE to go pick up a family in the airport in Dublin off he went, to drop them at the health centre, A Health Centre in Dublin to pick up the keys for their house and they have very little, very little English. Only the dad had a bit of English, and uh, uh, the taxi driver said, "Why do you come to Ireland? Oh, my brother, ring me, tell me, come to Ireland. Everything free here. We get everything free. Free house, free furniture, free hospitals, free doctors, free everything. So we came. No, he wasn't from a worn town country." <laughs>
1: Well you see what that you what, but, but I mean that's not entirely true because you know we see the situation in Cashel where there was going to be 74 of the you know yeah. males into you know limited accommodation shall we yeah, say
7: yeah,
1: um yeah. so that's not entirely true but but you're saying the general gist of that is that's the way people are thinking is that, is that
7: yeah. well it is well this is now this is what the taxi driver told me this An is exactly yeah. What, yeah, and, yeah. and and he said and that is what's happening one family member arrived and they think Next week, the following another family member arrives. Another family. Now, friend. At the end of the day, Ireland's only a small country. Mm-hmm. It's you know we you know we we're not able to look after our own. And my grandmother always mm-hmm. said, "Charity begins at home. Look after your own turf."
1: And do and- you think that what happened in Dublin, Jodie, the rioting mm-hmm. and and the like, and the response to the rioting, is that covering up what is the core conversation, which would. Reflect people's fears and the challenges around looking after Absolutely. people.
7: yeah, I think so. Too. I, th- I think so, Fran. Now, as I said before, I don't condone what they what they did in the far right and all this and whatever. But I mean, it was played out. Now, personally, I'm not on Facebook much anymore because my accounts got hacked and whatever. So yeah. I just a oh, good look. So. um But Jimmy now is on Twitter and he was saying, you could see it the whole day, it was the whole time, you know, looking for people to come, 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 down to Dublin, down, you know, this is going on, that's going on and whatever. And at the end of the day, Fran, people are absolutely up to their tonsils with the government, the country, the way everything is going. And I mean, it's just so, so sad. That's all I can say. It's sad.
1: All right, you know, Jody. well, really, really good to anyway, talk to you. And you you look after yourself anyway, Jodie. Thanks very much indeed. A about you. the friend. Thanks, thanks you. a million. Bye-bye. Bye. That's Jodie speaking to us this morning. Uh, Jackie is in cash and says, what's wrong with uh, society is there's absolutely no respect. We're living in a society where the mindset is, I'll say what I like, I'll do what I like, and uh, F the lot of you. Mental mindsets have become very, very unhealthy. Uh, God help us if changes are not made for the better instead of holding phones in your hands recording, hold a candle in your hands and pray for peace like you never prayed before. Absolutely horrific the way things are going, says Jackie who's in casual today. We'll take a break. Back in a moment.
0: Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie
1: Listener says, good God, Frank, give it a rest. Uh, do keep in mind where that is coming from. That piece on the Tucker Carlson show is 100% what has happened in our beautiful country. Government and media has ruined our country. Yeah, I made that point just so that listeners would be aware what angle it was coming from. I think it's very important to point that out. Do you know what I mean? And then people can make up their own mind whether they agree or disagree. But well, I mean, I didn't want to mislead people in some fashion either. Make up your own mind. People are intelligent enough to make up their own minds. Richie is with me. Good morning to you, Richie. Good morning, Fran. Good to talk to you today. You were listening to that piece from uh, Tucker Carlson uh, as well. What what did you make of it, Richie? I
8: thought mean, it was very accurate of the description in what's happening to our lovely country. I think the man was spot on and the last lady that was on speaking to you a few moments ago that end of her conversation, she was fairly right mm-hmm. on her viewpoint, also. And if we keep viewing the same uh, viewpoint that this is a powder keg ready to go, people are branded as far right, and in a couple of months' time, we'll be told we're breaking the law and we could be in jail for expressing how we feel about our country. I think it's time for actor and Martin actually went, they have destroyed our country. Um, Mm. Uh, people are absolutely fed up of it, like you know.
1: What um, What did you think when you saw what was happening in Dublin following that awful tragedy of of the kids being attacked? What did you think about that, Richie?
8: I, I was just devastated, to be honest with you. Like, I mean, I, I um, I only heard about the stabbings probably about an hour after it happened, and I went, "Oh my god!" Yeah. And I said to my wife and family here, "My God," I said. Crap is going to hit the fan. I said, Something's going to happen. Yeah. And then that night. And that was
1: your immediate happened. reaction.
8: It was my yeah. immediate reaction. I said, It's going to hit the fan tonight. It's going to happen. And it happened, you know. And I give during the course of that evening watching um, live stream after live stream. Mm-hmm. The, 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 you know, yeah. I must watch 35, 40 videos of live streams. And it, the one thing it, I keep going back to, uh, how did these people managed to find stuff that actually, you know, put the guard cars on fire, that these guard cars were left um, unprotected by the guardie, they were left unlocked. The mob could do what they wanted, you know. It's crazy, like most guards would probably lock their vehicle, go attend something, and not be leaving the car wide open, you know. And the impression that the
1: commissioner gave, Richie, that, you know, they were taken by surprise where this is concerned. As you say, your immediate reaction was, this is going to trigger something.
8: Absolutely, they're, they're more probably more intelligent than what I am. They knew full well this was going to happen. Absolutely, they knew. You can't keep bringing in people into a country with no passports and let them go about their business and go stabbing people or beheading people in this country. Like, you know, uh, the crimes that they're out committing is horrendous. Like, we have an awful lot of people that came to this country. And over the last 20 years, they've integrated fantastic with the Irish people, to socialise with the Irish people. We've got a, a certain minority coming in. They just want to take over, you know. And no one minds uh, genuine asylum seekers coming into the country to seek help. But we're getting an awful lot of welfare tourists coming in, like the last lady said, um, with a taxi driver there, his experience. And I've heard that my story myself more than once, how similar things And why are you here? Oh, everything is free, you know and it is free on the backs so there's taxpayer, and I'm sure
1: people out there are very I, I, I just want to point out that I'm always careful about storage here in a taxi if you know what I mean Oh, like, oh yes,
8: you, yes, you, I would, yeah, but yeah. I'm not just saying that is true, but yeah. it seems that a similar story started up in in every direction from people who yeah. are in the, know, as I say, who are in the business and they will tell you, like, I only took a taxi myself less than two weeks ago and a similar story was told about someone in the very same situation who wanted to give up their part-time job to go back on full-time welfare because he was an immigrant. He could get more than what the Irish person would qualify for, you know. But back to that night, I was absolutely disgusted. And I really was disgusted and taken back by it that the city was just rampaged the way it was, it, it was discussed, and I think a lot of people would agree, and these young kids.
1: And, and do you think the pity about it is that, you know, all that awfulness that happened is a smokescreen to what the discussion should be about, I suppose? Is, is that uh, fair it, to it, say, it, really? it, 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 i
8: I would think so. I think right now, if, if the government were really to do their job right now, I think it has to come down to... Um, um, collecting up people and start deporting people who are coming with no paperwork or documents. Well, you know, we have no problem with ordinary people coming in, some to contribute to the society, let them be a doctor, a nurse, an engineer or something. Not people that are going to come here and sit on the dole for years and years and do nothing, you know. They can't have everything handed to them. We, if we go to another country and we want to live there, we have to turn up with a passport. we got to know their rules, their mm-hmm. regulations what we are allowed to do and what we're not allowed to do, and you go, OK, I'll, I'll keep that in mind. But these people are coming in and they're living like as if they're still living in their own country. And they have no respect for the Irish or the culture. I mean, only recently I was in Waterford City and I walked down a street that I knew very well that I actually lived on it once and there wasn't one word of English being spoken. Not one. And I'm sure a lot of people would say that about parts of Dublin being the same way. And when you express your feelings, you're nearly targeted as being some kind of a racist. But that's what Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael want to do with their hate speech. This is what they want. A few months' time, if they bring in this law, maybe this conversation between me, you and the listeners could be over because I'd be branded as probably a far right or something for not supporting the government. The government has left down every citizen in Ireland. And under the Constitution, it does say all persons should be treated equal we don't need these new hate crimes.
1: They're not needed, you know? And your fear there is, as you said so eloquently, that, you know, it will stifle conversation in, in, in some way. That's that's the fear. Can I ask you, Richie, yeah, in, they, they in, your, in, in your circle of friends, um, yes. w- would you be reflective of the general thinking? I mean, what you're saying to me, would that be generally what you're hearing from?
8: Well, yes. Uh, I, I would agree, and even the mountain above, you're bumping into people in your shop and you're shopping, whatever, and the conversation might strike up, especially with women. They're now afraid to even go out in the evening to walk their little dog or to go out to even walk to exercise. They're afraid. They're afraid of all these young men that are coming in with no wives or girlfriends or anything like that. And to even put it blunt, and maybe some people might like it. If they can't get a woman of their own, they're going to take one, and they're going to hurt Irish women. At the end of the day, Do you ah, well, we, we
1: we we don't know that though, because like it's a very tiny mm-hmm. minority but, of people who. But it's a ti-
8: yes, but we, we need to start looking at who's coming into the country. If you don't have a passport, you're not here for legitimate reasons. They have to be turned away, and that's what's happening in this country. It's it's been overrun now, you know, and it's probably a, a matter of time where. The Irish way things will have to be changed to suit uh, the foreign people that are coming in, such as the name Garda might have to be made redundant going into the future and may have to call them police because it's upsetting to somebody in the PC world that we're now living in, you know.
1: So that's your fear that there there will be cultural changes as well to accommodate people. Is that it? Yeah. Oh, it? I,
8: I would say so. It, it, it will come down that mm. way. The, the can, I play, can, I play, can
1: I play devil's advocate with you for a moment? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And can I say to you, would that be such a bad thing? Would, would you know, maybe...
8: Well, I wouldn't like to see the end of the Irish language. I wouldn't like to see the end of Irish dancing, the end of an Irish pub,
1: mm.
8: um, the end of anything Irish, because Ireland does belong ah, yeah, to but the I Irish. Don't, I, don't the that,
1: the I don't think that. I
8: don't think well, that. But watered down we have over twenty percent now, which is over one million um, people in the country mm. of, of of foreign. Thing. Like, like I said again, I have no problem with legitimate people. Mm. It's the undocumented. Have to go, and all that Farrakhan wants to do is arm the guardy. He wants more equipment, more everything. But yet he won't address the problem in the room mm. of unvetted uh, men. Even,
1: even though we it. we saw on Thursday night that God knows the guardy need more equipment. So I mean, we had to borrow water cannons for God's sake from the north. You know,
8: we did, which is an absolute shame. That was never yeah. ever. And it never, ever should be used on an Irish yeah. street. Never should it be used. I remember back in the days of the water protests, right? The guards just loved wailing on the people back at that time. It was one of the guards who weren't suing for tennis Elbow or beating the crap out of people the whole time. But yet Irish people stayed peaceful. They didn't raise one hand to the government mm. over the, the water thing. But I do remember one day being in Kildare Street, playing closed Guardy got out of their vehicle, entered into the crowd. They were the ones that went up to provoke the crowd on that occasion, rattling and shaking barriers and giving abuse to other Gardaí. When people knew they were playing close they they'd do the walk of shame back to their guard car and go away with, with themselves. So I'm saying it's well careful for the government to instigate any route when they want. And I'm not saying it's done on this occasion, but the Gardaí are are really working for the government here. On on everything and, and oh, well, in, Garda- in fairness to, to the
1: Guardi, I mean, their job is to apply law and order, and their job is to, you know, follow instruction from from Garda management and from the commissioner and all of that, and that's that's what the on the on on the the, the beat guardi are doing, I suppose. Uh, Richie, really good to talk to you today, and thank you indeed, thank you for coming on with us. Thank you. Thank
8: you, friend. Good Thank morning you. to bye you. Bye.
1: That's uh, Richie, 1800 The text and WhatsApp is only 3113311. Double 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 Helen was on to say, when my granddaughter's passport had to be renewed because I'm her legal guardian, she needs an emergency passport. Um, it was a terrible hassle to get it and both guardians had to be uh, present at the passport office for her to get a flight and then it depended on the airline if she could fly with her aunt who is not a guardian. So it's some joke, um, can't get out, no bother getting in, says Alan. If it matters to you, it
0: matters to us. Call Tip Today on 1-800-938-007. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Facon, Tipperary's main fuel dealer. Slattery's Garage Facon, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the premier county. Slattery'sGarage.ie
1: Tom is in Templemore and he says, I agree completely with uh, John Lachey. Um The GAA are pretty gone like the far left. Uh, want to control every aspect of our lives. Unfortunately, our government and Doyle are moving dangerously to the left, a socialist left-wing state. Uh, It's ironic that the media is blaming the recent Dublin riots on the far right, wanting to ban right-wing as evil, which is rubbish. Right of centre is a legitimate political uh, position. The little drugged-up gurriers were only out for trouble and to loot. They had zero political standing, so the media should call it as it is. And that's in from Tom in Templemore today, 1800. Nine three eight double o seven. Now you may have heard the ads running on television and radio to promote the shingles vaccine, but many people might not be aware that far from being a free vaccine, it costs five hundred euro because there's two two injections involved, and I think it's two fifty. Um, each it's not available on the medical card but there's no doubt that for anybody who has suffered from shingles it's a very very painful and debilitating condition indeed my good friend michael egan joins me now michael good morning to you good morning frank and great to talk to you michael i think there is a general tendency for people to think that shingles ah yeah it it can be a bit sore and a, a bit of a rash and stuff but it can be far more debilitating than that michael
2: the can indeed, Fran, and I suffered dreadfully from shingles. Actually, I, I, I got them in um, February of 2019, and I can safely say that uh, I felt comfortable with them the following September. But in between that time, the pain was absolutely dreadful. And I started off in a way that I didn't, I didn't think. I always thought that tingles started with a rash or some bit of a rash, but yes. in my case, it, it, it didn't. Uh, I remember well; it was on a, on a Sunday evening, I think, it was the last Sunday evening in, in February of, of 2019. And I was sitting at the table, and I felt this tingling effect in in the, my wrist and my left hand, and it seemed to move slightly, rather quickly, and and was gone. And then, after a while, it, it came back again. And I took no notice of it. I mentioned to point what had happened, and uh, we took no more, no more notice of it after that. But then on Monday, it happened again and lasted maybe a little bit longer. So I contacted the medical centre in Clock Jordan and went over there on, on the Tuesday and uh, was thoroughly examined by the doctor. And she just said, in in case it's a shingle, she gave me a. Uh, a, a tablet to take mm. and that was grand nothing happened then for about 2 or 3 days and then the rash appeared in my arm um, not painful but visible mm. a little bit uncomfortable and then after a while maybe another 2 or 3 days it started to spread and it spread under the, the muscle of my arm and from there onto my chest and then onto my back and then it it, it, it became it, it became itchy, and painful at the same time. So it, it, it was kind of a, a catch twenty two, if which went about dealing with the itch It increased pain. My God! And, and how, then, how painful, Michael? Do you know I can describe it? after a while, and I, I remember in in or about the sixth or seventh of March, uh, I, I was sitting in in, in the, below in the kitchen one one evening. And I thought someone had set fire to my back. It happened quite suddenly. I felt, again, this sensation in my wrist, which more or less shot up through my arm and into my shoulder blade. And it was uh, just uh, uh, like a tingling pain at the time. Okay. And then I thought some I really thought someone had set fire to me. I'll never forget the pain how I live. And I, I had about five or six episodes of this dreadful pain before it eventually decreased and I would be on the, the, the point of passing out or fainting with the pain when it would when it start to ease off a bit. But it would last for about, oh God, it seemed like eternity, but I, I suppose half a minute or right. maybe two parts of a minute. Right, but, but during pain, that time, it was
1: yeah. dreadful. Very sharp pain, yeah. So I interrupted you, you were about to say then, uh, after the rash, what happened then, uh, Michael?
2: Uh, uh, after the rash uh, started, uh, sorry, of which there is no, fan uh, at the do, very beginning of do, the rash? Do, or,
1: yeah, do, well, you, the rash spread. That's my understanding of what, what you said to me. What What other symptoms were you, were you having at that point then?
2: Well, it was just a, a, an itch and, and pain. Yes. And with the pain, I I found that if I kept my arm pressed very tightly to my size, uh, it, it helped to alleviate the pain. But, for example, walking was very painful. Uh, there's no way I could shave at the time. And even to the present day, when I shave on, on the left side of my face, I can feel the, the single sensation going down to, through my neck and into my shoulder.
1: And this is four but years on.
2: I still have it, Fran. Even as I speak, I have it in my shoulder blade this morning. My God. Um, it's, it's bearable, some days it can be as severe as if you had, uh, if you got that bad netless things. Mm. And then in other days it would be, you know, uh, I don't know how to describe it. it. It wouldn't be as bad, but I'm always conscious of it being there. And I dread sometimes now, particularly if, if there's rain on the way, it, it can get fairly painful, not dreadful now or anything. Mm. Mm. But at that time, if someone touched me on the shoulder, I'd, <laughs> I'd, I'd feel, you know, it'd feel like jumping if you weren't expecting. If someone caught me by the left arm just around the muscle, even at the present day, uh, it sets off this sensation of pain.
1: So was that sensitive?
2: Very sensitive, yes. So, even shaving to the present day, as I said, I can feel it on the left hand side.
1: And, and do you find, Michael, when you discuss it with people, they they don't really have an idea as to how debilitating it can be. You know, as I say, we all have the impression it's a bit of a rash and you get over it.
2: it yeah, and that's what I thought, friend, as well. And I, I've met an awful lot of people in the meantime that have um, contacted singles. And some of them would say they only had it for a couple of days or more would say that it's gone with no length of time. And others would... Uh, you'd meet the odd one on right where it, it you know, prolonged for a considerable length of time after the rash disappeared. Mm. But uh, I, I was trying to look it up myself to know is, how long does it last or is it unusual to last? And uh, from what I could see on, on the, the internet, it's unusual to have it last this long, but not unknown to happen.
1: And, and were you unwell at the time? In other words, was your immune system down, Michael? Or I mean, I'm just wondering why why you got it at that particular time.
2: I think, on reflection, didn't realise at the time, but I was under an awful lot of stress. Hmm. Uh, I, was, I was involved in suicide bereavement, of course, and I, 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 did try, I didn't realise until I actually retired from that that. How much stress I was under because it was something on, on my mind day and night mm-hmm. from the time you got up in the morning until you went to bed at night. You were thinking about some person that had contacted you and the, the trauma they were going through and the, the and the pain. Mm-hmm. And you were thinking at the time that you were dealing with that, but you weren't dealing with it sufficiently. If you know what I mean. Yes. Uh, to, to be real there, and I, I think that was. Uh, what caused it, because they do say that, that stress can bring on shingles.
1: And just for listeners, oh. of course, you were founder of Living Links, uh, providing solace and uh, indeed a listening ear to to families who were bereaved by suicide, Michael, and I can imagine the trauma of listening to those stories.
2: Oh, yeah, I mean, I some of those, those people, what they went through, uh, and I often thought afterwards, like, I, I went through shingles and, and got commotion the other side of it, but for those poor people, it's, it's there with them for, for their lives. You know, it, it, it's a desperate, horrible uh, thing to happen to any family. Uh, but I, it was only when I, I retired, and maybe for maybe a month or two after that, that I realised how much pressure, uh, not just me, but anyone involved in bereavement, bound to feel that pressure uh, to stay there all the time. I'm not saying that's the only thing that caused mm, mm. shingles. It could have been something else because I I believe now that they are contagious. So I could have been in contact with someone that had shingles. Then maybe my immune system at the time was at uh, a low ebb, uh, which enabled shingles to take hold uh, at the time. Yes, so it's very difficult
1: to know. And what do you make Uh, of this um, promotion of the fact that there is a vaccine? Aware now, it it seems to be the pharmaceutical company who was actually promoting it. But it costs five hundred euros because there is two injections uh, required, two hundred fifty euros each. Is not available on the medical card and uh, the like. Um, Should that be available to people? Do you think that vaccine?
2: I think it's true, Fran, because, to be quite honest, if you get shingles quite bad, the pain is unbearable. It really is unbearable, and it's something you never, ever forget, uh, the extreme, horrible burning sensation, and that's when I hear of anyone getting a burn of any description, no matter how small, I just feel for them. Because, I, as I said, I felt my back was gone on fire a few times. And to be quite honest, I'd roar with the pain. I, I just wasn't able to tolerate it. And I was considered that I have a fairly high pain mm. tolerance level. But this really got to me. It was absolutely horrendous. And I do think that that vaccine should be available on the medical card for people or at a very reduced rate for people that don't have the medical card. But the other thing that I, I don't know about that, and it's something I must look into, mm. are, uh, is that can you have that um, injection if you're still suffering slightly from shingles?
1: That's an interesting question, isn't it? Yeah.
2: So I don't know, uh, you know, what is, what is involved in it. Uh, uh, would, it, would, it set up, would it cause a flare-up again if the shingles aren't gone totally?
1: That'll be uh, interesting. You know? And is, is that something that can happen, um, Michael? I mean, could you get a full flare-up of shingles again? Or because it's viral in some way, is this, you know...
2: Like, yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm afraid of, to be honest, that uh, yeah. you would get them back as bad again. Now, I know there's a, a very good friend of mine who is also involved in, in suicide bereavement, and they've had shingles three times in the last three years. Now, they didn't have them bad. but uh, I remember there was an old wise tale one time that if you know you usually get shingles around the, or the waist, and, and there was no wise tale there, that if the shingles met, you would die. Well, that's not true, because I know a person where it has happened twice with
1: them. Uh, needless to say, they're, they're alive and well. Yeah, um, uh, John but, John was on to us from and he says, I had shingles years ago. I got the cure from a man in cabin. Mm. I was bent over with pain, and the minute I put on the cure, it completely cleared up the shingles. The cure was three pats of butter with blood mixed up in it. Good God. Did you hear about... Because I know that Mrs Meskel, years ago, uh, here in South Tip... Um, had, a, had a cure for shiggled. Did you hear a lot about that kind of thing, uh, Michael?
2: I, I did, Fran, and to be quite honest, I, I believe in it. Do you? Yeah. I, I do. And, and the mistake I made was I didn't go for it in time. I had a full, very bad flare-up when I went at the time. And I often think, like, how bad would would it have been if I hadn't gone for the cure?
1: Right.
2: Do you know what I mean? Um,
1: you think it could have even been worse, Michael?
2: I do. I do. I think only for the cures would have been worse.
1: And can I ask you about the cure you got?
2: Well, the cure I got was uh, it's um, a person's blood. They put the blood on where the where the rash is. I know. What? Wow. That the poor person that did it, but I nearly took a pint of blood. It was so bad with it at the time, and it said it was worst case they had ever seen. But I, I, I definitely left it too late for them because I was of the mistaken opinion that when I got the tablet, that was the cure for shingles. Right. And what I didn't realise was that it is to prevent viral infection. Ah, OK. And if I had known at the time, I would have gone for the cure straight away. And I have no doubt it would have worked because I know people at the moment, uh, quite a number of people uh, have uh, I've told me about getting shingles, and they went for the cure, and it
1: worked for them. And Michael, we know each other a, a long time. When I met you after you were contracting uh, shingles, if you'll forgive me saying so, it it took an awful lot out of you. I mean, I could see it took a huge amount out of you.
2: Yeah, I did. I, I yeah, I found everything very painful. From painful walking, uh, painful easing. Uh, travelling over and back to the medical centre in Clark Jordan was extremely painful. I never realised the roads were so bumpy. Uh, every little bump mm. in the road it, it, it sent extreme pain right through through the, my chest and the and, okay. and, and What, it, what about pretty, sleep, Michael? Sleep is um, whatever chance you had of sleeping in the chairs was a very uh, difficult sleeping bed because no matter what way you lay it, you were going to be hurting some part either your arm or your back or your chest uh, was, was going to feel the pressure when you, when you would lie in the, And Needless to say, you would fall asleep because you'd become exhausted and you would fall asleep mm-hmm. and then, of course, the, the pain would, would uh, waken you up again. And the only thing, friend, I want to mention as well that I eventually got pain patches. And in the mornings, I think the time when they were come to, you know, a time when they could put on the pain patch, and that they gave great relief for about four hours. Mm. And the same thing, I'm still on medication for them uh to for, for <laughs> nerve
1: pain. It's it's an incredible story, Michael, as I as I say. Now it's important to point out to people your case was an extreme one, Michael. Some some it people, was extreme some yeah. people it is literally just a rash and it doesn't last all of that long. But it can be extreme as in your case, you know?
2: Yes and of course I remember at the time someone visited me here and I said it was a very good friend of mine. He called me every day for about five weeks and he spent about two hours with me and I just God he had the patience of Joe because most of the time I was moaning and groaning there, <laughs> while he was here. Uh, but but uh, people told me, like, and the, the Burton being, you know, the doom and gloom type, but there was then they had heard of people that where they took shingles to their grave with them. Oh, oh, I, don't, I, just, what I forgot to ask them, is, what age is that person? <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: <laughs> well, Michael, I, I'm glad you're on the bend even though you still have uh, symptoms every so often, but really good to talk to you, Mike. And thanks for sharing that story, Michael. Thanks very Thank much, fan. It was great to see you and Maureen and Kevin on, on Sunday up in Nina as well. It was a lovely day, wasn't thanks it?
2: Thanks very much, man. Likewise meeting yourselves. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, you did a great job, oh, Fan. No, absolutely yeah. fantastic. Thanks, Michael,
1: Thank you. And you. And look after yourself, Michael. Gurmila Mahogat. How about you now? Bye. That's uh, my friend, Michael Egan, there with the story of shingles. Uh, news and information is coming up.
3: Tip Today
0: with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie.
1: You're very welcome back to Tip Today. 1800 938 007. The text and WhatsApp is 083 311 311. Of course, you can email Tip today at tipfm.com Now we do have some winners for you of those uh, vouchers 50 euro voucher for Stakedoms uh, going to Angela Maroney of the Horse and Jockey, well done uh, to you Angela and uh, 50 euro voucher for She Boutique in Thirless going to Pat Culler of Ballycal. so well done to you both and we'll have more uh, vouchers to give away on the programme tomorrow of course is by way of celebration of Christmas Shopping in Thirlis and Santa will turn on the lights on this coming Friday in Thurlis as well, 1800 007. It's time for the guardie to keep us up to speed on what's been happening around the county. I'm glad to be joined now by Detective Sergeant Declan O'Carroll. Good morning to you, Declan. Good morning, friend. Good to talk to you today. Can we start in at Clonmel and that arrest of a man and a woman?
9: Yes, friend, the Guardian Clonmel arrested a male and a female in connection with a theft from a parked car at a car park in the Cashel Road late on the 23rd of November, friend. Uh, the man was stopped and searched close to midnight on that date and was found to have stolen property. On him, the woman in her 20s was arrested on the 24th of November and she was questioned and later charged and brought to court in Dungarvan on Monday, where she was remanded in custody, Fran, to manage you before court for handling stolen property charges at a later date.
1: There there was another arrest uh, made as well in, in Clonmel.
9: Yes, Fran, a man in his 40s was arrested late on the 27th of November at Mary Street in Clonmel. Uh, this was for breaking into an apartment comp- complex in the centre of the, the town. Uh, he was detained in question and was uh, later charged and brought before court uh, in Camel on the 28th of November, Fran.
1: And uh, we're hearing more, Declan, as well, about uh, public order offences as well in Clamell, yeah?
9: Yes, friend colleagues in Clamell were busy. There was nine pers- people arrested uh, under the Public Order Act in mm-hmm. the last two weeks, all in the Clamell town area. And given that December... It, Uh, is is the end of this week. We Mm -hmm. would like to remind listeners uh, that if they they or their family members are heading out for Christmas parties or celebrations over the next four weeks to do so in a safe way and to always have a way home organised in advance. Remind the public to never, ever drink and drive and also be aware that taking an intoxicant can impair driving. Um, and uh, they may be liable to arrest.
1: Now, your colleagues in Clamell as well, they're they're looking for some help from the public, aren't they?
9: Yes, a number of appeals, Fran. Gary and Clamell are appealing for any witnesses to a burglary. That happened on the evening of the 17th of November. A Panasonic TV was stolen from a house in the Elm Park area. Entry was by forcing windows at the rear of the property, and we believe that the person who broke into the house uh, was injured. Um, We'd be interested in speaking to any person in the area that that saw anyone carrying a a television around uh, around that date. What happened,
1: what happened in Carrick and Shore, Jackson There was some damage done to a home, was there?
9: Yes, friend, this uh, and Carrick and Shore are investigating damage to windows two days in a row. This happened at Chapel Street in Carrick and Shore and both these incidents occurred between 5pm and 6pm on the 24th and then on the 25th of November. Again, uh, Gardie would like to speak to any member of the public who witnessed the breaking of these windows or make contact with uh, Carmel Guard Station.
1: You'd like some help as well from people in the Mulnahone area. It was a theft there, wasn't it?
9: Yes, friend, this is uh, Guardian and Mullen-Horn are interested in speaking to anyone who was in the Ballywalter area of Mullenhorn on the 23rd of November. Uh, that day a double-axle trailer was stolen from a yard. Uh, the trailer was described as homemade and was white in colour. Uh, anyone with any information as to the whereabouts or any sightings, uh, please contact Gardian and Clamel.
1: Yeah, more of these unscrupulous types as well, Declan, going door to door.
9: Yes, friend. Guardian Clamell have received reports over the last two weeks relating to unscrupulous workmen going door to door looking for power washing work. Uh, the prices demanded are exorbitant, and we would warn your listeners, friend, to be very vigilant about employing anyone unknown uh, to them on their properties. It would always be preferable to employ reputable tradespersons that you that uh, people have have received recommendations about, and we would. Um, Encourage the public to be ever vigilant, specifically about an elderly neighbour um, who may who, who mm. may be duped in in disregard.
1: For sure. If we can move to the Turlus area, what what happened in the takeaway, Dexter?
9: Yes, friend. this was late on the 20th of November. A man entered a takeaway and demanded a lift home, which was subsequently refused. This man allegedly became aggressive, kicked bins, uh, exited the property and kicked the door of a car, damaging it. Um, the man was later arrested and charged, and it's currently before the courts.
1: Thank God. Um, shops as well. Uh, there, there continues to be an issue with uh, theft from shops, I think, across the county.
9: Yes, friend. there's large um, dirty uh, up and down the county are dealing with a, a large number of theft from shops um, and they continue to be reported across the county. Uh, just for an example, uh, in Torles a man entered a shop and allegedly stole items to the value of over €60. Euros. Um, recently, this man was arrested, uh, having left the shop and the property was recovered and returned. we would encourage all shop owners to be vigilant uh, and, and report any shoplifting. As soon as possible, to un- to, to the across the new Clare Tipperary division, there were over ninety incidents of shop theft uh, reported. Right. and Close to sixty percent of these happened in in County Tipperary.
1: Right. Is that is that the time of year, Declan? Is that is that does that... Uh,
9: It has a bit to do with the time yeah. of year, Fran. Yeah. And it seems to be uh, it seems to be every month now, and and we're quite busy yeah. uh, dealing with uh, shoplifting offences at the moment.
1: To the Tipperary Town District specifically, to to Golden, and uh, what happened there?
9: Yes, Fran, at 11.40 on the 23rd of November, while patrolling, uh, patrolling in the Atassal Abbey area of Golden and Tipperary Gardee found the car acting suspiciously in the area, the driver of the car was arrested on uh, suspicion of drink or drug driving. And then, uh, Fran, in a follow-up search, uh, a quantity of suspected cocaine together with a number of offensive weapons were seized um, together with items associated with uh, suspected drug dealing A court appearance will follow arising from these incidents.
1: Yeah, I saw a photograph from that in fact in the, in the nationals today rather scary implements in the booth that's for sure um, what's the story with the caravans?
9: Yes Fran between the 1st of September last and the 24th of November two caravans kept on land in Byron Lock area of Bancho were damaged in Tipperary Gardie are appealing for anyone with any information in relation to these, um, these incidents
1: mm. And what happened at St Michael's Avenue Tipperary? Yeah,
9: yes Fran this was an incident at approximately 1am on the 18th of November a front door glass panel was broken in the house at St Michael's Avenue uh, area of Tipperary Gardie uh, a garden ornament was thrown through a door panel uh, mm. in this act of vandalism and again Gardie are, are appealing for anyone with any information to contact them at Tipperary Town.
1: Right, and uh, there was a house damage in uh, the Brookfield area as well? Yes, yeah,
9: similar type incident. Fran, yeah. at 7.40pm on the 23rd of November, the front window of a house uh, together with a car window were smashed in Brookfield area of Tipperary Town. And Gardeau currently harvesting CC3 mm. and carrying out inquiries in, in relation to that incident.
1: We heard about St. Michael's Avenue. This time it's St. Michael's Road area very, very close by, yeah.
9: Yes, found between 9am the 17th and 3pm on the 18th of November, a house was broken into the St. Michael's Road area of Tiptown. Town. Significant quantity of jewellery. Was stolen um, during the course of, the, of this burglary. Guardy would like to recover this jewelry and are seeking the public's help in this. And then, friend, between 730 am and 6 pm on the 16th of November, a house was broken into in the Kush Sleeve area of uh, Bancha. Again, a uh, quantity of jewelry uh, w- was taken, and uh, anyone with any information is asked to contact Tipperary Town Gardy.
1: And then back to St. Michael's Avenue in Tipperary Town as well, another incident. <laughs>
9: Yes, this is an incident where a school was broken into the St. Michael's Avenue area of Tiptown. This happened uh, between the 21st at 10am on, uh, between, uh, sorry, 4pm on the 21st and 10am on the 22nd. A uh, power washer was stolen from during the course of this break and, and uh, Gardaí have appealing for information in relation to that one.
1: And uh, close by again, St. Michael's Street, uh, heating oil taken in the middle of the town, well... Wow.
9: Yes, friend. I suppose it's that time of year again and, and there are reports throughout the county in relation to this type of offence and, and we're asking uh, homeowners to be vigilant in relation to it. Uh, this happened between 9am and 11pm 11, uh, 11 on the 27th of November where a quantity of home heating oil was taken from St. Michael Street area of Tipperary Town. and I suppose we just uh, want to highlight that this type of offence is happening uh, and to be vigilant in relation to it, friend.
1: To the care district that encompasses Cashel, there's. Oh, what, what's the latest, by the way, on the refurbishment of Cashel uh, Garda Station, Declan? What do yes,
9: you Fran, um My colleagues in, in Garda Connor are pleased to announce the significant investment in the refurbishment refurbishment of Cashel Garda Station, which will re- support uh, long-term policing needs of Cashel uh, into the future. Um, it's uh, the work is expected to be completed by the summer of 2024. All going well and the refurbishment will upgrade Cashel Garda station to a more suitable standard of working environment for Garda members and staff and during this refurbishment period uh, Tip County Council have facilitated the use of the old motor tax office um, on Fire Street, Cashel for Garda office opening hours um, which have remained unchanged and plan I'll just go through them. It's Monday yeah. from 1.30pm to 4pm, Wednesday 30 pm to 4pm and then Friday 8 am to 1pm. Any changes to opening hours will be updated on the Garda Facebook page. Um, as always uh, should our community in Cashel want to make contact with uh, on Garda Shikona, or need assistance, they can contact the emergency services on 999 or 112 or Care Garda Station.
1: Mm, yes, yeah, so and that's 052, I know, 744 5630. Uh, we'll have that uh, those numbers with them if anybody yeah. requires them. To your own area then, and, and burglaries, uh, uh, Nina?
9: Yes, friend, burglaries, um, the first uh, occurred on 21st of November when Gary received a call in relation to a burglary in progress in the Benedine area. On arrival at the property, a man was found uh, uh, in the court of the property and was arrested on suspicion of burglary. He was subsequently uh, uh, questioned in relation to this um, and later charged to court with a burglary offence.
1: Yes, and Newport, was it Cars there?
9: Yes, uh, burglaries and thefts, um, unfortunately, have become a regular event in Torles and Gardie, or in Newport and Gardie, have made some progress in relation to these. Um, Gardie from Nina District and Newport District carried out investigations into a, a number of burglaries and thefts from cars in, uh, that have occurred in the last few weeks, as I said. A search and arrest operation was put in place by members of the detective unit in Nina and local Gardie in Newport, and on the 23rd of the 11th, the search was carried out in the Newport area. And a man was later arrested in Limerick and detained and questioned in Nina Garda Station where he was uh, charged with three burglaries, friend, two uh, two thefts of cars uh, and one theft from a car and uh, was later brought before the courts.
1: Now, sadly, an assault uh, in Ross Grey as well, Dr. Newham. Yes,
9: Frank Gardy from Nina District. They're investigating an assault on a security cars working Ro- in Ross Grey that occurred on the 21st of November. Uh, three men were arrested in relation to that on the 22nd and each man was charged with uh, assault offences and brought before the sittings of the district court.
1: And more burglaries uh, in uh, the Rosgray area as well.
9: Uh, yes, the appealing for a number of burglaries that occurred in, in Gray and, and in the district in, over the course of the last two weeks. Um, um, on the 16th to the 11th, between 9pm and 10pm, a house was entered at Hillside uh, Ross Gray, and items stolen. Gardaí are appealing for anyone who may have seen anything suspicious in the area to contact him. And then on the twenty fifth of the eleven between three A. M. and four thirty a.m. a business premises in Rosemary Street was was entered. Uh this was a sophisticated operation and business owners across the county are asked to be vigilant um in relation to their premises. And if an alarm goes off, uh to contact ourselves.
1: Now investment fraud and we're hearing more and more about this in recent times, uh, I guess. You you want to put a message out there, I suppose.
9: Yes, Fran, and yeah. I was listening to a piece that was on your show recently to to highlight yeah. the types of fraud that that are occurring. And uh, I just want to reiterate that, and Gardi wished to send out the message to people in relation to these types of frauds. Um, uh, some examples were crypto fraud, as uh, very prevalent at the moment, with at least four individuals reporting investing uh, in one way or another in crypto and later discovered that they were the victim of a fraud in total. Uh, there was a loss of approximately €150,000 altogether. Wow. In, in, wow. Uh, in these offenses, and then in another type of fraud known as the email redirect fraud, the business was targeted and had their email compromised and they ended up sending money to who they thought was their creditor, but ended up being a foster and thankfully in this in this incident um the money was later recovered.
1: Yeah, it's all getting so sophisticated though, Declan. I mean, you know, people are are taken in by
9: this. Yeah. Yes, fan and people are going online and, and looking at uh, investment opportunities, yeah. but unfortunately the fraudsters are are out there and um we're just asking people to be virgi- very vigilant of of um, online activity uh, in relation to this for this sure. type of fraud.
1: For sure. What, you you need the public's help as well. You're looking for people to help you. Yeah.
9: Yes, there was a number um, of incidents that occurred in Clume-Millan Estate in the early hours of the 23rd of the 11th when a shed was broken into and a number of tools taken from at around the same time a number of cars in the estate were entered an item stolen and anyone who saw anything suspicious is asked to contact
1: uh, Nina Garda station in this regard. Right, and finally another trailer taken?
9: <laughs> yeah, and I spoke about a trailer in, in, uh, taken out South Tipperary. Mm. This was similar uh, an opportunistic crime they were on the 19th to the 11th the night for Williams was stolen from Kilmastull at Bird Hill between 4pm and 4.15pm the trailer contained round bales and it was stolen from a lay-by on the old uh, N7 and anyone with any information or who may have seen anything suspicious is asked to contact her us here at Nina Garda station, fan would be anxious to recover this, this trailer. And it just get goes it back to show owner. you
1: though, 4pm 4 and 4.15, so this is the middle of the afternoon like, you know. Yes,
9: and the person at Danger Party in question just had, had left the, the trailer only for a few minutes unfortunately, and, and in those few minutes someone
1: took it. My God. Uh, Declan, always a pleasure. Thank you so much for your time this morning, Declan. Thank you. Thanks Bye. very much, Bye man you The uh, Detective Sergeant uh, Declan O'Carroll to us there. Now, we're with you every weekday morning, of course, from nine. We spoke to Richard on the show this morning, who spoke about his concerns about the numbers of Gardaí. He made the point that many Gardaí will now be um, uh, sent to Dublin to quell ongoing unrest, uh, which could leave other parts of the country rather vulnerable. Here's a little of what he had to say.
3: So they're saying a small group of people were able to whip up such a frenzy that suddenly you had hundreds of, of people not alone demonstrating, but all the other carry-on, the looting and everything that went on. And, and in order to try and get that back into order, the Gardaí had to have assistance from outside of the city, from parts of the country, to go in to stop it. Now, That leaves the rest of the country vulnerable. If they're saying in Dublin that that kind of chaos could be whipped up by a small number of people, a small number of people in any town in Ireland, so if they start something like that and it kicks off, where's a small town like Cashel or Caire or Tip or Torres or Ross Grey going to be able to... What are they going to be able to do? Because if if you get 30 or 40 people who kick off in a smaller town, it's the absolute chaos, and nobody can
1: do anything about it. And and, and uh, you have concerns, Richard, that some of our policing in our towns, I mean, let's be parochial about it, let's talk about Tipperary, um, that they're depleted in numbers because they're promising now that there will be a very large force of Gardaí in Dublin the whole way up to Christmas, but they must come from somewhere else.
3: Exactly, that's exposing the rest of the country. Okay, Dublin has to be looked after, but It's all Dublin-centric. The rest of the country has to be looked after. Uh, We've a huge increase in populations in a lot of small towns and and, uh, we don't have the number of Gardaí commensurate with what should be there.
1: And that's Richard who spoke to me just after nine o'clock this morning. We had a huge reaction. Um, to what he had to say to me uh, this morning. Whatever listeners on there now to say that uh, that man Richard spoke the truth; every word was true. We are not allowed to give our own opinion. Yeah, it's interesting. And Shane got onto us then; he was giving out and said we were spreading hate and we were doing all sorts of things and being incendiary and all of that. Um, because we're giving a platform for decent people. These these aren't far right nut jobs or something. These are decent people who have concerns you know, and and we're quite happy to give people a platform uh, where that is concerned. Fran could ask, this is a good news story, Fran could ask for an unusual request. I was shopping in Tesco today. I had some very heavy shopping. The shop assistant came out in the cold to carry the shopping to my car. I am so grateful. Caring people do exist. Says Teresa.
0: (laughs) Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry. In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie.
1: Now, a lot of people on to congratulate Ellie on that piece uh, this morning from uh, Clonmel Town about the. Uh, Temporary county council uh, refusing proposals for that 18 metre high structure on the grounds of Clonmel Town FC on the Cashel Road, but of course it was overturned on appeal by on board Planola, and as I say, big response to that, including Melview Nursing Home. We are fuming over this application. Wonder Years Play School across from uh, Clonmel Town, uh, to Great Peace Alley is another one of our listeners, uh, not all, not at all happy about these masts, says uh, another listener. I would imagine that story is going to run and run. 1800 938 007. Now, uh, we have gardening towards the end of the programme, so if you have a gardening query, will you log it with us now, please? 083 Remembering loved ones who are no longer with us is how Milford Hospice aims to mark the 25th anniversary of one of its key fundraisers in Limerick, the Light Up a memory event will take place on Sunday, December 3rd, that's this coming Sunday, at 4pm in Our Lady Help of Christian's Church, Milford, Troy, in Limerick. Now John Duggan is Communications and Digital Media Officer for Milford Hospice and he joins me now. John, good morning to you.
10: Good morning, friend, and good morning to your listeners.
1: listeners how are you? I'm very well indeed. Good to talk to you today. This is a lovely idea and it's been going on for some time, as I said, John.
10: That's correct. We're in our uh, 25th anniversary of Light of Memory this year, and thank you for the platform to, um, to share this with your listeners in Tipperary, so we're tell, very tell, proud of it.
1: Tell us about uh, the fundraiser and how it works.
10: So, uh, the fundraiser is, as you mentioned, on the 3rd of December. And it is uh, going to be in Castle Troy, Limerick. You have the opportunity to remember your loved ones by sponsoring a light on the Milford Care Centre Light of Memory Tree. Uh, it is five euros uh, per light. There's also a book of uh, treasured memories that you can that you can uh, sign on our website as well. Uh, if you if you go to www.milfordcarecentre.ie. Or you can call our fundraising department also to sponsor a light on 061 485 859.
1: That's a lovely way to remember life and indeed a legacy as well, John. Um, I, I, I suppose the fundraising will allow you to continue on with that palliative care and older person services in the Midwest, including Tipperary, of course.
10: It will indeed. It's it's very important for our services. Uh, Light Up Memory is one of our flagship events uh, throughout the year and it certainly helps uh, both our inpatient services in the nursing home, in the hospice and also our community services, which, as you mentioned, are based in Limerick, Clare and North Tiberary.
1: Mm, And uh, what about the continued running of a very, very uh, vital place indeed? Is it hard to come up with the money every year, John?
10: Well, thankfully, uh, all our supporters uh, are very generous and we we do receive great contributions throughout the year which help uh, towards uh, the running of our services.
1: All right, very good. Uh, so just to remind people again, if they want to get involved and if they want to sponsor a light, how can they do that?
10: Okay, so they can visit milfordcarecentre.ie and also they can ring our fundraising department on 061 485 859. The lights uh, will be lit on our three from the 3rd of December and they will stay illuminated until the 1st of January 2024. And thank you very much
1: uh, to all your listeners for their continued support. You're very welcome, John. It must be a great privilege to work with people who have the capacity to to work in that sort of environment, which it can't always be easy, John.
10: No, it's. it's uh, I, I feel myself very lucky to be involved in Milford Care Centre and uh, the, the great work that goes on here um, yeah. really is inspiring.
1: Yeah, it must be It must be indeed. John, really good to talk to you today and we wish you well. Thank you. Thank, thank, you, thank you very much, Fran. Take good, care. Good morning to you. And that's uh, John Duggan uh, there of uh, Milford hospice now one of our listeners tara was in touch with us um and she's concerned about her special needs child and uh, she joins me now tara good morning to you
11: good morning friend
1: Would you tell me tell me your story um uh, your, your daughter's name is what is what
11: my daughter's name is akia.
1: akia okay and and tell me is she 18 or is she about to turn 18
11: she's 18 since june
1: okay and tell me about your concerns then. It's it's around child benefit, I think, Dara. Uh,
11: yes. Um, we uh, On the news and the radios at the moment, it says that children over the age of 18 that are still in full-time education can uh, claim child benefit um, after the new year. Mm. So... I rang the Child Benefit Office to see when I could put my daughter's name down because she is 18 and still in full-time education and I have proof of this. Mm. And that's when I was informed that it's only children that are going to be 18 this coming year and still in school in September 2024 that will be able to claim Child Benefit from the age of eighteen onwards, so all children this year that are eighteen um, are not entitled to it.
1: My God! And uh, have you spoken to public representatives about this? Have you had any feedback on it, Tara?
11: No, because it was the public representatives that told me she was entitled to it. Yes. But when I rang the the child benefit board or the the you know the place, they said that it did not count for this year so there there is a whole cohort of students that are 18 this year that are not entitled to it there's going to be one year of students that will get nothing and that, then next that is year, so
1: unfair isn't it that really is unfair
11: it really is and see my daughter won't finish education till she's 21 but so i can't even apply for her to uh, get her child benefit when it starts in September because she's going to be going from secondary school into the National Adult Learning Network, which is totally different again. Of course so it is,
1: yeah. But I, I, at the moment, because she's school going, can you not apply for a disability allowance for her?
11: Yes, but she's still not entitled to the child benefit. Right. I, can apply, I can apply for the, the disability allowance for her, but that takes a long time to kind of kick in. Uh, and I was only going on what the government said. Yes, because this is, this
1: is what they said in the budget, that child benefit would be extended to children aged 18 who are in full-time education, but, but the, the crux of it is it's from next September, and as you say, then there's a cohort of children who, who won't be able to benefit from this.
11: Yes, there's going to be one year of a cohort of children that are actually in exam year and will not benefit from it. So, and like, if I need, just say I wanted to use that money to uh, pay for her exam papers, because you have to pay for the, you know, the exam papers for the leave and certain stuff, yes. that's not even a possibility. So she's she's yeah. she's now entitled to nothing.
1: I, w- I wonder have they thought this through and are no, they uh, are, are they aware that there's this cohort of children who will fall between the the cracks here so to speak?
11: Well I think so I think they do because they deliberately put it for September 2024. It was done in this budget so it should have been from September 2023. But they deliberately put it off for a year. So any child that is actually in sixth year now, that is entitled to the child benefit, won't actually get it. And it wasn't until I rang them, because I, I, I was led to believe from, as I said, from it was actually my local social welfare office that told me to ring the child benefit that my daughter is entitled to the money. But when I rang them, I found out that no, she's not.
1: Yeah, well, you see, I can understand the confusion because, of course, the headline, needless to say, was child benefit will be extended to children aged 18 who are in full-time age. That was the headline. And then you read down through the detail and you find out that it's not applicable until next September. So, you know... Yeah, it's
11: like the the, the fine details at the end of it. You know, and I, I wasn't aware until I rang. And then... That was the end of that. So even when she does go into education again next September, she's still not entitled to it. Because no. it's only for, as far as I'm aware, it's only for primary and secondary school children, not children that would be going into third-level education.
1: Um, yeah, I wonder about that. Yeah, but, but but it's still full-time education, is it not, Tara? Yeah.
11: Yeah, it's still full-time education. But from what what I was told, um, it doesn't matter um, Mm. because she won't be in um, the kind of secondary school system in September 2024 that it didn't matter. She wasn't entitled to it. Now, my son will be because my son is still in school and he's only in transition year. Yes, yes so by the time it comes around for him he'll be entitled to it but my daughter won't
1: Tara is this just another fight in a long yeah. 18 years of fighting because you have a special needs daughter is that is that yes, fair to say
11: It is and it's continuous Yeah It's con- and it's it, like I even had to have fights during the lockdowns because we were told on the news that Children with special needs had certain exemptions from certain things, and it turned out that wasn't the case. So, my, my two children were denied an education um, during the, the lockdowns because what was said on the, the news with the government was completely different to what was actually going on in the school
1: does a great on you. There, there's um, a national, and it's running on local stations like ourselves as well. There's this advert featuring um, people with uh, disabilities, and it's giving the impression that wonderful things are being done for disability. I, I'm not sure if you've heard that ad.
11: I've seen it. Yes, yeah. I've seen the ad that, well, you know, that they're, they're entitled to this, And they are. They are absolutely entitled to it. But you're not told. And then if you go for that entitlement, you have to fight for it and then you will get turned down and then you have to appeal it
1: and that becomes a full-time job i guess right from the start
11: yes. yeah yes oh it's a fight from the start to initially get a special needs assessment like you're fighting for years my son was waiting 7 years for his assessment
1: 7
11: years so my. 7 years Yes, he was waiting seven years until I had to go pay to get it privately done so he'd have his assessment done before his junior surgery. But
1: that was seven years without an intervention. And as we all know, if you intervene early enough, you can have enormous uh, yeah. goods done and quality. The, done.
11: Yeah. the only support my son got in primary school was from the Busy Bees After School Club. That was the only support he got the entire time in, in primary school.
1: My God, and what what do you do now, Tara? What's
11: what do I do now? I, I don't know because we're not entitled to anything. And if I go ask for a place or apply for something else that I'm told we're entitled to, you're told it's it's means tested, so you won't even get it. So. At this stage now, Fran, it's just saving every penny and just trying to get through each day as best you can and that's it.
1: So the fight goes on, Tara.
11: That's it and it's only going to get worse because as my children get older, their disability doesn't go away. Like they're still going to have autism.
1: Of course. And
11: it's going to be harder and harder to get support for them as they get older.
1: Yeah, but, but lots of parents have spoken to me over the years about that magic number of 18. Once they hit 18, there seems oh, to yeah, be very very little there, Tara.
11: There's nothing there. Unless you're going to pay privately to do something, like if it's an after club or something, there, there really is nothing there. Once you turn 18, you're effectively kicked out the door and you're left to fend for yourself.
1: Yeah, one of our listeners is advising you to talk to Citizens Information, but I mean, you, you, I presume you yeah, have I've been there. You have yeah. all of the information.
11: Yes, I went down to Citizens Information. I was down at my local uh, social welfare officer. I was actually talking to my social welfare officer. I was talking to Richie Malloy hmm. over the Carers Association. Yeah. And as far as all of these people were aware, we were entitled to it until I rang the child benefit and that's when I was told that it wasn't till, till September 2024 and that's when yeah. they were made aware of it because I went back to them
1: Well I, I think our, our public representatives tend to listen to us or, or they have a member of their team listening to us I mean it would be very good to bring this up in the dial wouldn't it
11: Oh most definitely because as I said there is this it's, there's going to be one year of children or yeah. teenagers, whatever you call them, um, that will absolutely yeah. get nothing.
1: Depending and on then, where their birthday falls.
11: Exactly. Yeah. Depending on where their birthday falls or when they started. Very as I said, yeah. My son will get it. My daughter won't.
1: All right, Tara. We wish you well. We'll be following the story and thank you for your time this morning, Tara. Right, and happy Christmas. Christmas to you and the and happy uh, the Christmas family. To you thanks, so thank, thank you. Bye bye. That's Tara. We'll talk uh, gardening in just a moment. Join the conversation in Tipperary. Contact us through Facebook, Twitter, or email
0: tiptoday at tipfm.com. Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie.
1: Time to talk all about gardening, and I'm glad to be joined as usual by Elton Nisbet of Arabon. Good morning to you, Alton. Good morning, friend. Hey, good to talk to you today. Um, uh, weeds and moss and algae and all—it's—it's it's really that time of year, isn't it?
12: It is, and really, we nearly have a question every every week about yeah, it. Yeah, So, so um, uh really, at this time of the year, because it's getting darker and wetter, um, that, that we're we're getting a lot of algae and moss growing in our yards and driveway, and, and makes it very um, unsightly looking and mm. and um, very grimy looking almost. So, uh, really, to bring it all back to a nice, fresh um color on your uh, paving slabs or even on your tarmacadam is to really use the right product for it uh, so so that just, you must have you'll have much cleaner lines um in your garden mm. so really what what I like to use um uh, and it's very very simple simple one to use really over let's say either tarmacadam or even your concrete paths or anything like that because when you get this kind of mottling almost like the black algae or even white algae growing on on your paving slabs or even, even on the concrete or, or the tarmacadam, um, it seems to be very difficult to get rid of. So really use, use a thing called tip-top drive clear. This is like a, a pink liquid um, that you, ha- you get in, in, in five litres. And you use one litre to five litres of water, is the mixing rate of it, and spray that over the affected area where the worst of the algae or moss is growing. And that would clean it up within three days. Makes it up uh, very um, new-looking, actually. Mm. So you don't have you don't have that grimy look um, uh, on on your 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 concrete mm. paths or e- even on your paving. Did, did you um, say one there,
1: liter to five liters of water? Of that is yeah, it, is well, it,
12: yeah. One, one, one liter to five liters. Yes. And you can spray this on. I always think that it's much better if, if you can give give it a good spray mm. over the area. You can go much further, with it by spraying it. Um, and now, if you have a um, uh, very bad uh, yard, like gravel yard that has um, a lot of algae and moss growing it. Now you often find that growing where there's a lot of shading from either a large hedge or, or a big shed or something like that that's um, shading the yard, that you get an awful of this um, algae and moss growing uh, quite rampantly. So you use a thing called chloris on that, and that would clean up the, the gravel yard really clean. Um, and um, even if you have lovely coloured stone, it would freshen it up. Uh, and do a good job in that. And you use one liter to five liters of water with that mixing mm-hmm. rate on that as well. And that's with the cloths. Now, a lot of people would have um, let's say on their roofs as well, an all of moss or, or yes. algae growing going on the uh, on the one side of the roof where it's more shaded. Um, and really use a thing called moss buster. It's a it's a four-in-one moss buster. Now it's important to get the right one. So it's the, it's the four-in-one moss buster for any tiles. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, on, on the roof and again it's one liter to five liters of the mixing rate of that and you can spray that over the over the tiles and that will get rid, rid of any moss that's going on it. Now, and they, they, that tends to blow off quite easily so no need to be scrubbing it or anything like that it will actually disintegrate quite easily and, and come off the roof so that I, I often see if you look up in, in, in some of them especially the older slates uh, around the yard or or the farm that that you find an all sort of moss growing on it. And and again, it makes it just very untidy looking. But so to clean it up really well, use a four-in-one moss buster and that will do a very good job in it. Often you see in new buildings of houses as well, you get this red algae coming out. It's Mm. like almost that it's the iron of the red algae coming out uh, of the wall. Um, of the concrete and you'll often get this kind of red discoloration on, on the side of the house and it's, and it's good to use a thing called three-in-one moss buster for that and you can spray that over the, the affected area where the red algae is coming out of it, and that will clean it up really well so that you don't have this discoloration uh, coming out of the wall because always at this time of the year you'll always have that problem of algae or moss growing. Of now course, with, yeah. Yeah, with the algae and moss you'll often get a lot of weeds coming up mm. as well. Because of um, the grass, or you have a thing called hairy bittercress or plantain, or even, even the dandelions or buttercups coming up through the, through the gravel yard or the, or the, or the paths, uh, use something thing called destral amenity. Now, this is a fantastic spray, really, because it will kill what's there, but also keep weed seeds from germinating. It actually sees the, the um, uh, yard or, or paths. Um, from weeds from coming mm. up. So it, it does a much longer period. Would so you repeat sprays,
1: that? Because I know people will be onto Is It's is it Yeah, yeah it's,
12: it's a thing called D-E-S-T-R-O-L, okay. amenity. So destrol amenity, it, it's, a, it's a, a translocated chemical as well as a residual one. So it will stop weed seeds from germinating as well as kill what's there, but keeps it clean for longer. A lot of people would tend to use such a Roundup or Gallop or uh, those type of sprays, mm. and none of us like using those really yeah. anymore. So um, really use, use, use um, another one Thesla means it's much better um, spray to keep the yards and paths uh, uh, weed free and especially coming into the uh, let December and coming into Christmas as well you want to, you want your your, your yard or, 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 or pathways uh, lovely and clean as your guests arrive so it keeps much fresher looking um, because after all the leaves have to come down um, uh, you want to just do do a tidy up the whole way around the house around the garden um, and use these sprays that will do a very good job. Now, if people don't like using chemicals, um, you can also use, there's um, uh, what's it, organic or natural-based um, herbicides that we have as well. There's a Nurdorf, Nurdorf, a weed fast-starting uh, uh, spray that you spray over the, the area as well. Mm. And that does a very, very good job. Or a thing called Hytrol, uh a uh, natural weed killer. And that's particularly good as well. That has some um, uh, perligonium um, extract, which um, uh, kills, kills any broadleaf weeds as well. Um, there's also a spray uh, that you can make up yourself if mm. you wanted to. And I'm sure we have this kind of mix that we, we, yes. we, we do. Um, uh, the white vinegar um, that comes in a five litre. Uh, two cups of vets salts, and a quarter cup of washing up liquid, and that's very effective on your yards as well or paths, um, and cleans up cleans up the area quite well. So I mean, you can do it uh, either way really, without either the ways yes. that are ready to use or or make it up yourself as well.
1: Yeah, but it can be very. A friend of mine slipped on 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 the moss and, and broke her ankle. You know, so it can, it,
12: it, yeah, exactly. Mm. Really, so sure, you often find, and um, especially. At, at the back of the house, but it doesn't yeah. get much shade or, or much light, that um, you get this very greasy, almost um, um, or very dangerous, um, uh, slippery surface, especially if it's, if it's rained a little bit.
4: Yeah. But, nice. um, it
12: gets, gets, gets very greasy. So it's very important to spray um, with either the, the, the um, chloris or the tip-top drive clear or even the moss buster and that would keep it completely um, uh, right. algae free and very safe as well oh. and it keeps it, it keeps it much cleaner looking.
1: All right you might uh, take a few questions for me if you would Alton. Uh, will you ask Alton the name of a climbing rambling rose to cover an unsightly building something quick growing if possible?
12: Well, there's, there's several ones that you can use. American paler is particularly good very vigorous. Um, now, it's a it's really strong uh, uh, rose and it has a lovely uh, white eye with a pink um, petal. Um, and that's particularly... Particularly good, or um, Madame Alfred Carrier, which is a lovely scented rose, um, a lovely white, uh, creamy white flowers out of it as well, and that's that's uh, quite good. Or even if you have a big barn, I said a large barn, um, and you want that covered, you use something called Kiftskate, and Kiftskate is probably one of the best rambling roses that, that you can get. I I have it growing up through um, pine trees, actually, mm. uh, the, the large full pines, and they kind of almost go up to the very top of it and then drape down, but they have a, a, a magnificent. Um, um, uh, Sent off them during the summer months, and then you'll have the lovely um, red berries then in the autumn as well. But uh, an absolute an abundance of, of flowers from it. And then, of course, um, other rambling roses, which are quite good as well. The, the rambling rector is a particularly good one as well. Um, and that's great for pillars or even perigolas and things like that. And they're, they're, they're quite good. So, I mean, there's lots of, uh, there's one called wedding day. Which is particularly good as well. It's a single white uh, flower and lovely um fruits off it in, in the autumn time, which are particularly nice. But that flowers right through the summer as well, it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. So kiss Gate, and um, Wedding Day or even the Rambling Rector would be good. quite
1: good. I I love the names as ever. Um is it too late to plant my bulbs, says a listener.
12: Not at all. Um, You can still plant bulbs away. If you have them, uh, tulips, daffodils, or even the croaks are are quite good as well. Um, uh, Again, always plant your bulbs in in clusters of five, five bulbs together. You get a much better display um, in the springtime. And I always like the little dwarf ones, like the tet-tet or even the dwarf uh, tulips as well, uh, Little Red Riding Hood. They're particularly good to the front of borders.
1: Mm, Somebody asking about moss in the lawn, because you were speaking about moss on the tarmac and stuff. Is it the same product?
12: uh, Well, it's a good time of year to treat your lawns now um, for moss, because um, it's it's quite rampant now at the moment, Um, is to use the thing called Hygie, weed feed and moss killer. This is quite a good product. Do, do, it comes in a 15 kg bag and that will do about 750 square meters. It's a granulated uh, fertilizer that really, mm. you spread, spread out with your lawn spreader. You can set it to number three. And do a dressing of that up and down the lawn, uh, uh, that will work its way onto the moss and, and break down the patch in the moss as well on it. In the, Where the moss is the worst um, growing try and rake that out as much as possible uh, after it's, it's disintegrated a bit, is to rake it out uh, and then sow number two grade se- lawn seed in those kind of patchy areas where the moss has been and that will allow the grass to thicken up in those kind of patchy areas really well.
1: Very good, yeah. um, Somebody so looking so about where where to buy a Tip Top um that you made reference to to their Tip Top. What what was it? Yeah, called again? We, we, Drive Clear, we, uh, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah,
12: Tip Top Drive Clear. Yeah. Now it's actually it's actually made in Nina yes. uh, Oh, companion. is it? Oh, brilliant! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and and we have it in all our Arabon stores. Excellent. So it's, it's it's quite a good product to use. It comes in five it's about twenty euros. Uh, but it does a really fantastic job on all surfaces, really. It's a it's, it's, really right. it's, it's, it's good product.
1: Would you take a final one for me? What do I do with fire ash in my garden? What's fire ash?
12: Fire ash, and uh, I'd say that is, uh, is red shank or something like that. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a weed ah, that um, right. uh, uh, it usually grows in, in vegetable gardens, uh, and, and that is, is quite a, 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 a vigorous um, weed that takes over, especially in your potatoes, potato plots and stuff like that. So it's, it's to use the thing called, um, either thing called primus or turbo before your potatoes come up, um, and that will keep it completely weed-free so you don't have a problem of any, any red red shank taking over.
1: All right, very good. And re- really quickly, if you would, uh, somebody wondering, do, uh, sunflowers, do they reseed? Uh,
12: you, you, they can.
1: Um, you, you can uh, hold on to the seed that you, that you
12: have. A lot of the birds will eat it, of course. But, I mean, try and harvest as much as the seed. Store them in, in a, a, um envelope. Um, over the winter and then sow them in the springtime in, in, the, in the end of March and they'll come up quite quickly for you. Now they won't come true to type relief really, and um, they'll be probably a little bit smaller than what you'd have let's say the giant um, uh, sunflowers or you can also get the multi, multi-coloured ones as well so they'll, they'll be slightly faded in colour.
1: Very good indeed. Well, happy gardening, Alton, and uh, thank you as always. Uh, Alton Nusbeth there from uh, Arabon. That's uh, about it uh, from me. Emma produced. Uh, Ali was out and about for us today. Stephen's on the way with the time to look. And I will talk to you tomorrow. Look after yourselves. Bye-bye.